Okay, guys, so I have like one very serious question about zombies. Why in the heck do they have dark vision? Like, why? I get that they're an undead creature, I get that they come from the Underdark, I get that they're like super creepy and mysterious and that dark vision just seems to thematically work, but is it 5th edition's way of giving them some kind of a sixth sense to be able to hear or see where you are in any, like if you think like zombie movie and you are walking through a forest and you like crack a sprig of wood or what have you, they can suddenly find you, like is that what the whole concept is? Anyways, I wanted to know what your honest opinions are, and go! I don't even feel like we need to roll for this one. Megan no. says, like, why do they need dark vision? And she's right. Your standard zombie does not need dark vision if it's a plague zombie. Yeah. But that's the thing we're going to hit over and over again. These are not plague zombies. These are magical zombies. Yes. This is necromancy. They get dark vision because they see in the dark. This is not your standard walking dead or night of living dead zombie. That's the difference between D&D and most other Romero type lore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on mob mentalities, where we look at some of the shuffling humanoids out there that can make up the enemy armies in Dungeons & Dragons. I'm Adam, and with me today is Dan. Brains. And this episode is called Zombie Hordes. Every day I'm shuffling. And now it's stuck in my head. Thank you. Appreciate you. I am laughing my fucking ass off. So we've reached out to our army of friends and allies to help us break down what a zombie horde looks like in 5th edition. We're going to cover more monster zombies next episode. And you can hear us do a deep dive on beholder zombies and their death tyrant cousins in episode 92, which was our second beholders episode. But for now, though, let's jump into the basics of zombies, the humanoid ish zombies let's get this party rocking party rockers that's the thing that they call party rock you good yeah good are, are you you're just deadpanning to like three fucking jokes in a row so yeah sure oh <laughs> were those jokes yeah that was the intention <laughs> so here's what we know about D D zombies okay first and foremost these are not your plague zombies if they bite you they do not turn you into another zombie i hate it well, this is about necromancy. It's a different kind of flavor. This hails more to the idea of the like voodoo zombie yeah. than it does the actual like undead zombie. Now, even the voodoo zombies, they're still technically alive. They're in a trance, right? Yeah. So it's not a perfect like Analog. fit there yeah. either. So it's kind of kind of a mix of the two. But we do get a lot of the basic touchstones, like there's no semblance of the previous self. They are undead, right? There are no tactics. They just follow simple directions, and they do it by the most direct avenue. So, for example, necromancers will tell them to do something, yeah, and they will then do it. If you have certain world builds or you want to build interesting cities, having a city run by the undead... Where all of the mundane, mechanical monotony of running a city run by zombies who just go and pull that lever until your arms fall off. And they'll do it. Yeah. Now, they're neutral evil, right? They are the epitome of evil because they just want to cause death and destruction as far as they can even have motivations. Mm -hmm. Because they don't really even have their motivations. It's almost an instinctual kill. Yeah. But they are going to, you can tell them do not kill and they won't, right? Zombies are not the mindless horde that you think they are. Not in Dungeons and Dragons. The last episode that we did, the um, episode, I want to say 36, 
Boning Up on Undead, where we covered zombies and skeletons kind of briefly. We talked a lot about zombie hordes as if we were talking about the traditional cinematic Hollywood zombies. Yeah. And so you can head over there and listen to that. But for these guys, for the actual true D&D zombie, they can be commanded. They're, they're guards. They're henchmen. They're very, very, very simple. You're right. It's pull a lever. It's uh, stay here until something comes by and then kill them. Yeah. Go get that guy over there. Right. But they're dumb. I said a few minutes ago that um, they will get to their objective by the clearest avenue possible, which means they will walk through fire. They will fall off cliffs. They they do not understand the concept of danger Mm -hmm. as opposed to skeletons who do. Right. It is built right into the zombie lore that they are not your standard undead who are reliving their past. They're not cursed by anything. This is necromantic magic. It's not a concentration spell that has to be kept up. They are just imbued with this evil necrotic motion. Yeah. And yeah. And so they go and they accomplish their tasks. If they don't have a task, they kill the things that move. Yeah. I, I both like and hate this. I do like the flavor and the fear in the horror of zombies. And the fact that it is a plague has always been a factor of that for me. Seeing that kind of absence in your baseline Dungeons and Dragons zombies always feels off to me. Like, I want to have characters panicking that they got hit by the zombie. But that's not a thing. They don't have to worry about that. The The worst they'll have is, ew, that's kind of icky. And that's it. Right? It's, you're not going to catch zombieism. No, you're not. However, there are lots of ways to knock a player down to zero hit points and have them raise as a zombie the next round. Yes. There's a lot of that shit in Mordenkainen's and specifically. but In a game that... Like we have the death saves and we have uh, revivify as a spell now and like these uh, spare the dying even as a cantrip. All of these different little ways to stop the death process are ruined by the fact that there are just as many ways that you will get back up again in a undead form after something kills you. Yeah, it is pretty specific. Like your DM needs to kind of be gunning for that death to line it up. Now, I mean, I did it to Terry's character, and it was horrifying, and that was an accident. Yeah. But it can happen. Usually anything that can raise you back as as undead has the ability to knock you down first. Yeah. So zombies are popping up um, even when you're not expecting them to. Uh, When a death tyrant creates a zombie, I don't think the death tyrant uh, is going to command it. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing. We're really looking at liches and necromancers and evil wizards and... Even evil kings that have a ring of of raised dead or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like we're starting to rely on more of the almost divine magic a lot of the time as well. So as much as they are steeped in like arcane magic and whatnot, because of the turn on dead, the cleric channel divinity that yeah. they all fucking get, and like paladins get access to this shit too. There's a real divine magic bend to zombieism and undead in the first place as well, right? Because I think it's linked to the idea of souls and soullessness and that kind of thing, yep. generally speaking. So there's kind of a blending of the two. Your, your arcane necromancers are just as effective in and around undead as a cleric death cleric, or you know what I mean? So I, Yes, and I mean, we'll probably end up talking about this later as well, but I find necromancy and uh, like divine command over the undead 
I want to I want those to have a very tactile difference to them, right? I and I mean I know the base spells don't really have very much difference. It's just you know the same spell can be cast by clerics or necromancy wizards, sure. But I there needs to be a different flavor to them. Like I do right. One, like, one needs to be godly and the other needs to be peeling back the layers of the universe to understand where the boundaries of life are. Right. So like I could see a cleric calling on his god to raise the surrounding dead to aid him in a moment of trial so those are filled with this holy light and moving forward or or unholy light and moving forward or whatever that is shambling mound that way yeah but the arcane one needs to be like here's the talisman that i've hid in the flesh underneath here to cause this thing to almost flesh golemy yeah right it's got to have a different feel regardless they're dumb they are mindless yes yeah, but like they're not truly zombie mindless. There's a little bit more to them than that. They've got a little bit more intelligence and wisdom better than some beasts. I mean, I that just it, translates to them like hunting their dead as well, I would beasts say. Beasts hunt as well. Guess that's right? True, yeah. Like they can identify the door that got closed in front of them, but they can't use the handle, right? There's no way that they could even if it's not locked, they will bash the door down. Mm-hmm. They will not be defeated by stairs, but they can be tricked by a gap in the ground. They will use a weapon that's in their hand, but they won't pick a weapon up. Real quick, you didn't mention the stairs thing. Would you have zombies be able to learn? No, no absolutely not. Zombies don't learn. And that's just me being a fucking horror purist. But okay. zombies don't learn. Land of the Dead was a fucking abomination. I was with you, Romero, up until that point. Yeah, no, I'm. the second I saw a zombie pumping gas, I checked out. The reason why I ask is if a zombie walks up to a set of stairs, stumbles on it because it's a set of stairs and they don't like register the incline and how the motion is going to be different to climb than to just walk forward. Do you have the other zombies behind stumble on the stairs as well or do they follow that zombie back up? Like that's what I mean by learn. No, uh, they will all do the same thing. They do not see and then adapt. There is no adapting from a zombie. Okay. I do believe zombies can just walk upstairs. Okay. I don't think that they crawl. And zombies will stand up. So they understand the idea of their own physical body and, and height differences, right? But the idea of I'm on one rooftop and they're on the next rooftop across the street, they will walk off that rooftop because we're currently on the same plane. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't understand that there's this giant like hole in, in front of us, right? These guys are easy to trick. They're slow moving and they're easy to get around, but their basics of stairs and ramps and shit is it's not going to stop them. Okay, cool. They're fucking slow enough in the first place. There's no you're just neutering them even further when they're actually, in my opinion, pretty fucking perfect the way their stat blocks are, are built this is one of those rare occurrences that i find where dnd 5e has taken the stat block improved it from previous editions and knocked it out of the park yes they really have but again it's very specific to the flavor that they're looking for with their their zombies so we got to look at what exactly that is with the horror and that is going to not be the plague and the infection and whatnot that we've seen before the flavor of zombies now is going to be the perversion of life yes it is going to be rotted flesh and body horror and it's going to be overwhelming numbers this is what we're going to see so that side of the walking dead for example, still holds true. Yes, and I love it. I, I do love that kind of flavor. I do have a small issue when we get when we talk about things like the beholder zombies and, and we'll go yeah. down that line. 
when you have a creature that is otherworldly and fantastical and then you try to do body horror on that creature it loses some of the impact a lot of the impact of body horror comes from the familiar i mean to a fucking point the death tyrant the floating skull that's a massive size that that's good body horror in and of itself i like the idea of there being zombie elves you've taken something otherworldly and beautiful and just destroyed it and corrupted it so it really depends on how familiar you're talking they do have a kind of mind flayer that is undead Mm -hmm. but they don't really lean into the body horror of it because it's still intelligent and can like it's not it's not a zombie they know what to lean into with different kinds of undead and whatnot and for zombies specifically what we see is rotting flesh you can see through the cheek to see the teeth gnashing. The, yeah. Right? You get exposed rib cages and trailing guts behind you as you just keep moving forward. So in order to be effective with zombies, because they are going to be used for comedic value, right? A lot of people are just going to knock them down and laugh at them yeah. and hold them down. But if you want to have them be an effective kind of... Um, horror? Horror, yeah. You have to create kind of a more serious aspect around the table... And I like to do that by killing NPCs. Yeah. They don't have to be beloved NPCs, but they have to be pathetic NPCs. And I don't mean pathetic like we like they're just shit down on their luck. I mean like we're actually creating a pathos, right? Yeah. I need the little girl to get eaten by zombies. I need the kindly old grandmother to get eaten by zombies. I need to drag the father away as his family gets gets eaten. Can I inform you adam the best time i've seen zombies in a DD game yeah sure what you got about 12 years ago 14 years ago i had i was part of a group that involved my brother and uh, some mutual friends of ours it was the first time you ever dm'd for me funny enough i didn't remember this it was a zombie town of course it was and i vividly remember it a walled city we were we walked in and i remember this now yeah uh there was like a child stuck in a well that was alive and like we had to like pull her out like we were investigating this town but like for the the first half of the session you just did the legwork establishing the atmosphere of this town this unearthly quiet to it this dark and dismal kind of sensation that was around the entire village before the weird creaks and the shuffling noises in back alleys and the flashing movements out of the corner of our eyes, right? You spent a long time, you put in the work to build up this atmosphere and that's how they were so successful because at the end of the day, they were just standard fuck off third edition mom uh, zombies. Yep. Right? And you also did the thing that I don't think was in 3.5 but is in 5th and we'll talk about it for sure later, the... If you didn't hit them in the head, they got back up. Yeah, they kind of do that. They kind edition. of do that. Now they, they <clears throat> imply that, that that is kind of how it works. Yeah, but, but, but I use an increased critical, yes. right? So that if you get a 19 or a 20, it is a headshot. You'll do double damage. If you can drop them to zero with that, they stay down. Their, their get back up mechanic doesn't kick in. Doesn't right? activate, yeah. Um, just to kind of really give that flavor look i love zombies zombies are probably my favorite generic monster of all time fuck your vampires i'm sick and tired of smelling your werewolves 
zombies. I, I still we've been oversaturated we've been with so zombies, inundated with zombies. They're the only I, thing. That's the only reason why they've kind of been numbed for me. Yeah, and a lot they're numb for a lot of people. I don't care, man. I am still up to date on The Walking Dead. I still see every stupid zombie thing that ever comes out, including that one with fucking Nicholas Holt, who was like I can't remember what it's fucking called now, but it was Zombieland. No, no, no. He's he's he is a zombie and she is alive and they fall in love. It was like. It's it's pretty funny. Like it was. Oh, isn't that just a retelling of the Romeo and Juliet story? Nope. No, it is not. I'm pretty sure it is. No, it is not. What it, there is one that is the uh, Romeo and Juliet, except the Capulets are zombies. Okay, well maybe I haven't seen all of it then because I don't I don't partake in every Sharknado level bullshit that you watch. But but no, for the most part, sorry, I, I enjoy life. Shit. <laughs> Finally. I have been waiting for you to apologize for you enjoying life for like 190 fucking episodes. I am trying to crush you to nothing, Dan. It's never going to work. I'm an eternal, uh, I was going to say optimist, but even I can't pull that off. So I'll get you. Yeah. I'll get you. 20 years, man. We've been friends for 20 years. You ain't, that- 30 years, Dan. Oh, fuck. There, yeah, no, there's that downward spiral. <laughs> anyway. So, um, speaking of spirals, I just want to talk really quickly about the death spiral with the zombies. Yes. Okay. So, thank you for the segue. That was that was awesome. You're welcome. Of all of the segues we have mentioned on this podcast, that's my favorite one. So the that word has been banned. <laughs> There's a note on the wall that says "No more segues." Oh. For those of you that have listened to our fighter episodes, you'll be laughing right now. Anyway, so the or death really. spiral with zombies is fucking real yeah the action economy is going to get out of control and because these are uh such low level monsters cr quarter right Mm -hmm. you're going to send many of them at the party at once and it's a pretty well balanced party right four zombies equals a level one party right and they will stand and go toe-to-toe but remember if there's only one person taking the attacks that person will drop you will get tpks with zombies or at least you're going to lose people and the others will run away this is one of the things that bothers me is that a zombie is more powerful than a kobold because kobolds are cr8 yes but they absolutely should be because yeah, they I, need to take the damage kobold necks break easily right yeah and i so, guess that, i guess that's fair but like mechanically it's all dude it's just with the hit points yeah it I is just purely the hit points and we'll yeah. get into the mechanics of it um in a little bit but remember these guys are they're not your standard mob. There are no tactics here. They are. There's not even motivation. It's just move forward. Now you were talking before about how I set the scene and whatnot. I do that. I like the zombies hadn't seen you yet. Otherwise, they're just going to rush forward. Yeah, because that is their one thing that they do is they move. And granted, they've got a low movement speed compared to the average player in D and D, but they can still dash. They will still lurch forward. They won't get an attack in, but they'll catch up to you. when, And they will surround you. Yeah. And they will keep hitting until you're dead. Unconscious does not mean they will move on to the next. And that's one of the deadly things about them. And that's the death spiral that I'm kind of... Yeah, if if a zombie gets you unconscious and prone on the ground... It's going to keep hitting. They're going to keep hitting until they are pulling your intestines out through your belly button. And remember, if they are hitting you and you go down, it's probably because there's more than one zombie. The next time it comes around to the zombies in the initiative, you're going to take three, four, five attacks. And they're going to have advantage. You're prone, right? And it, it counts as a crit. Yep. Right? So... Two hits and you're done. Yeah, you're, it's over. And you're talking hordes so zombies are actually fucking scary stay alive run 
use distance. It's so key for zombies themselves because they will not stop. They don't need uh, food. They don't need drink. They don't need sleep. They don't need air. They will continue to come and come and come. And there are only a handful of creatures that are not beasts or humanoids that are really comfortable walking through an anti-magic field. Zombies will do it. They don't give a shit. They're coming right at you. Does not interrupt. This is not a curse. They're not, like, there's no concentration from a necromancer that's keeping these guys up. Yeah, it, that, it that was actually going to be a question. I hadn't thought about that. Like, if, if a zombie walks into an anti-magic field, does no, they, it get up? They, no, they no, keep going. They've been animated, but once they're animated, they are animated. There's there's no interruption of the magic there. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And so you cannot dispel magic and knock one of these guys down. There, it's You need god-level magic to turn undead. And even then, I don't like the idea of them turning around and walking away because they're afraid. When you turn undead as a cleric, it's not fear. It's just, I've always flavored in my head like they hear something more attractive behind them. No, I would disagree with that one. I would say the only thing that, because they are such that bastardization of life, they're they're that uh, twisting of the natural order of things. The only thing that scares them is that divine light that divine power but they do not have motivation they don't have want and it says right in the lore they will walk through fire and pools of acid they will walk off of cliffs there is no sense of preservation so there there can't be fear when they get turned they literally get turned around and walk away it may be like the frightened condition but in my head with zombies it's something else because the only motivating factors that they have are you were told to do something or time to kill so if I'm actively hitting you as a zombie and, and you get me to turn around and walk away, it's either because you told me to and now I have to listen to you or something that I want to kill is behind me in that direction. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. It is still the fear mechanic. Yes. Right? Which in this case would then just mean it is not that they are afraid. It is that you have given them the newest, highest important order on their list. We use the fear mechanic, but it's in my head. I'm fear only, is like respect. No, I'm only doing this from a flavor standpoint. No mechanics. I'm going to use a word that has a mechanical aspect to it. And that's you've charmed the zombie. It's not actual charm. You're not. That's no. not really what it is. It's still the fear mechanic. But it is like you have charmed them because you have convinced them to go somewhere else. Yeah. You have either given them an, an illusion of there being uh, the sound of cows moving in the background so there's more meat that way or whatever it is. These guys, they don't hunt with any sort of discrimination. They will fucking eat anything. Whatever is the closest living thing to them is their target. Absolutely. So if left through their own devices. Yes. But the moment that they're given orders, they will follow the orders. Now, if you still want to play with the fear thing, I mean, turn undead is divine. It's godly. It's going to have some extra punch to it. And maybe your somatic component is be afraid. And that's enough to make them act afraid. Yeah. But they're not actually afraid. Yeah. I mean, the second you start doing that kind of stuff, though, you get into like the muscle memory. And then we're talking about Land of the Dead again. <laughs> you know what? I agree. Uh, real quick, what's your favorite zombie movie? 28 Days Later. A lot of people say that. Those aren't zombies. Those are infected people. Yeah, they're infected people. But they like I liked the fast zombies of it. Um, Did you like World War Z then? No. I really liked it. Uh, it was just sloppy, uneven storytelling. Well, that, but that, that was the reason cool. why I didn't like I it. I really liked the zombies in that. My favorite zombie movie is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that would have been my second. Even without the comedy, those are the best zombies. The best turning, the best time period it takes to turn, the best emotional punch. 
at the end of the movie. Like th- those were the best zombies. They yeah. took the right amount of damage in the right ways, and it was just how many records smashed over someone's head does it take to s- kill a zombie? I mean, I, like I'm I'm an average strength kind of guy. Can I cave in someone's skull with a cricket bat? Yeah, I probably could. Can I do it eight times in a row? I don't know, man. Yeah, it's like my shoulders are gonna get tired, and zombies don't get tired. So we we've talked a little bit about zombies in general now really quickly when you are going to paint a scene for zombies are you going graveyard it was a dark and stormy night lightning flashes or are you doing the ghost town or are you doing uh the encroaching undead horde how are you like what is your knee-jerk favorite way to use a zombie do we want to roll for this one sure got a 12 i got a 13 okay (laughs) Um, for me, it is the, the ghost town, right? As I did it with you guys like yeah. 12, 12, 14 years ago, whatever it was. That is my preferred thing. I forgot that you are part of that campaign. And as I'm prepping for my next campaign, that was going to be my opening set piece. And I'm going to have to change that a little bit. Sorry about that. Yeah. So no, if you've already seen it, that's fine. I'm glad to know that. So it wouldn't be a retread. But uh, I am still to this day eager to use that as my favorite tactic. The idea that you have got to help evacuate people. And there are zombies everywhere. And you get past enemy lines. You're deep in enemy territory before you even fucking realize it. Really glad about the character decision to play a cleric well, it's in a, that next it, campaign. It, it, it's okay. I've already, in my mind, I've already swapped it. Damn so. it. All right. Yeah. Um, for me, it is the endless overwhelming numbers. Like, endless horde of zombies, right? Relatively weak, but... You get enough zombies in a field and you could take out a party of level 20 characters. You get enough zombies in a field, you could take out a Tarrasque. Yeah, it, it is just a numbers game. And with games out there like zombie with, or oh no, zombies with like the exclamation points and stuff like yep. that, where you have like actual like little zombie minion tokens that come in the game set. We have one of those that we've used to fill out our zombie ranks because buying the WizKids zombies, special yeah, zombies, that's cost prohibitive, my friends, when you, you want a horde of zombies. Yes, I have literally dropped over 100 minis on a table before and watched you guys go, fuck. <laughs> oh, I could shoot one crossbow bolt a turn. <laughs> yeah, and then it is, you are playing chess. You are moving and you are hiding and you are protecting and yeah. you are trying to do the most damage to the to the environment yeah. to stop them. And, from- and, and you could cast your fireballs. You could cast Wish. You could cast whatever you want. Eventually, they will catch you and they will eat you. I will I will actually do the math and I will say, okay, I've got a fifth level spellcaster. They tend to rely on these area of effect spells. How many people can they wipe out? Roughly doing what damage? Assuming that half of them come back up with one hit point. Uh, what am I looking at? And then I will add an extra 15%. Yep. To whatever that that number works out to be. So it's still damn scary. Now that extra 15% is usually like another 8 zombies or something, right? Which your Eldritch Blast or your Firebolt is going to take out relatively quickly. But it's still scary to see those numbers. When you're done a proper zombie fight, you should be fucking exhausted. Emotionally as well as as yeah. like your spell slots. Yeah, it shouldn't just be a stand and bag with a horde of zombies. Like there should they should be like... Grabbing beloved pets and dragging them into the middle of the horde to consume. Yeah, and the other thing that, I mean, that's my other favorite thing about zombies is grapple and drag away, right? Because they, that should be built into them. Like, they will drag you back 20 feet. Yeah. So that more zombies will will surround you. 
You can go ahead and break the grapple check, but if there's no clear avenue out, you might as well just be grappled. Yeah. And if you are stuck in the middle of a horde of zombies by yourself... You're in trouble. Right. I want my ranger to start counting arrows in a zombie campaign. Yes. Because this is when ammo starts to become a big deal. I'm not doing that for goblinoids or kobolds or gnolls. I am doing that for zombies because it's a resource management because we are talking high numbers. Yeah. Before we dig into the different kinds of zombies, because we've said, you know, they're pretty straightforward, right? Let's cut to a quick break because... I would like to get some new mailbag questions from people. And then we'll come back and we'll get into the nitty gritties. Sure. Are you going to be here for this commercial? Almost certainly not. Why do I even bother with you? Why do you bother me? That's not what... Hey everyone and welcome to another stupid commercial that I don't want to fucking... Adam. Daniel. Will you just... Please. Hi everyone. It's that time again where... Thank God. Dan, I'm trying to record a commercial here. It's that time again where we remind you that we have a mailbag episode coming up soon. So if you have any questions, comments, or random thoughts for any of the hosts, please let us know. We actually really look forward to the mailbag episodes because it lets us talk directly with you guys, the listeners. NPCs. Most of the questions these days are directly related to D&D, but you know we'll answer just about anything. Want to answer while you bother me? Stop it. You can send us direct messages through Instagram, find the post on the subreddit, or send us an email at info at So the next time you're listening to an episode and struck with a quandary, perplexity, or bewilderment, take a few seconds and type out a quick message for any one of the hosts. We'll make sure that your question gets added to the list. And also remember to enter our giveaways for a chance to have an entire episode dedicated directly to you. It's these interactions that bring the most joy to our lives. That and beer. What? You know what? We really should just get together to answer some questions one day and get drunk. Remember the time I showed up drunk for that one episode? Oh my god, I edit so much out of that one. This advertisement has been brought to you by Cirrhosis and Idiocy. Please drink responsibly. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad, Dan! Okay, so zombies are pretty straightforward then, right? Like, they're shuffling masses of death. Thematically, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, mechanically, they should be pretty easy, right? Uh... Well, okay. Look, I worked in a haunted house for a number of years. I think I've spoken about that before on the podcast. And I was literally getting into the mindset of an undead monster every single day. Now, there was a lot of shuffling. I could also speak and zombies can't, right? So there was a little bit more personality to be able to play in a theme park, right, when I was doing that. Yeah. But... Getting into the hunter mentality of just like wait for movement and then jerk your head to the left and start moving in that direction. Let, let me tell you, there's more to it than, than just mumbling brains. And I like the fact that zombies don't need to eat. They are not motivated by hunger. D&D zombies are motivated by killing. Yes. Not by hunger. They are a bastardization of life and seek <clears throat> to end it. I will tell you this right now. There is no bite attack on a zombie. Not in D&D. That may seem weird, but it's because they are not out there to spread saliva to, to spread a plague. They are just there to make sure you are dead. Yes. So let's head over to Eberron and talk to the only other person on the podcast who worked in a haunted house with me and see what he has to say about D&D zombies. Hey guys, Dave here. I'm still up uh, in the reaches, and uh, I got a little time to kill here before, you know, the next part. So uh, I just wanted to go over something that we came across on the way here, and we just decided to pretty much avoid them completely, okay? And that is 
a zombie, alright? Now, I'm not talking any kind of fancy special zombie, just a regular old zombie, okay? And when we got to talk and I started to learn a couple of things about them, these guys, they're slow moving, they're not exactly the quickest thing in the world. I mean, their armor class is only an 8, so anybody should be able to hit these things, okay? But their hit points are a little more than what you would imagine they might be, okay? They're 3d8 plus 9, right? But again, they're slow, so they only move at like 20 feet. Even your dwarf will be able to outrun these guys, okay? For their stats, their strength is a little above average, but uh, their dex, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, it's all pretty low. The only other high stat that they have that would be above average would be constitution, and that is actually really good. Like, you know, a lot better than average. For saving throws, I'm not really sure why it's included here. I guess because it's different than the modifier. Their wisdom saving throw is a plus zero, which their wisdom modifier would be a minus two. So it's it's nice that they differentiate between the two, even though it is for no real bonus. They are immune to poison, and they are immune to the condition of poison, okay? So poison damage doesn't affect them, and the poisoned condition doesn't affect them, all right? They've got dark vision out to 60 feet, their passive perception is is low, it's about an 8. So they're not super all together, all there, all the time. Uh, they understand the languages that they knew in life, but they can't speak it. I mean, you guys know zombies. Like, they, uh, uh, you know, they're zombies, they moan and groan. Alright, now, this is the problem I think I kind of have with them, because they are a challenge rating of 1 quarter, and I personally think that that's too low. And that's because of their undead fortitude, okay? If they're reduced to zero hit points, then they make a con save. The con save is a DC of five plus the damage taken. So if they are reduced to zero hit points by, say, uh, your monk that's only hitting for like a D6, and they do, say, four damage, uh, then it would be five plus four, the DC is nine. Unless, the exception, is if the damage is radiant or from a critical hit, okay? If that's the case, then they don't make that constitution save. Uh, however, if they do make the con save and are successful, the zombie drops to one hit point instead. Okay, So this is going to replace the whole called shot. This is going to replace the whole you need to hit them in the head. This is going to replace the whole it needs to be bludgeoning damage. Okay, This just gives them the opportunity to not go down on every hit. All right. Now, their one attack is a slam attack. It's a melee weapon, plus three, reach of five feet, uh, and it does 1d6 plus one bludgeoning damage. So that might counterbalance a little bit with the undead fortitude and, and so on, but I think these guys can be scarier than what the paper says. Now, normally, you don't just come across one zombie, and that's where, I guess, the, the challenge rating increases, right? When you get more of them. When you get more zombies, it becomes more difficult. I mean, if you're trying to drop three targets that aren't going down, even if they're only doing 1d6 plus 1 bludgeoning damage, that can still add up over time. Uh, now, I like zombies, okay? Now, uh, recently, uh, through my time online, I have seen a lot of people talk about uh, how in a lot of places uh, necromancy has been outlawed and isn't uh, viewed upon in good light. So what a lot of people have been talking about is how to get zombies without necromancy and the whole uh, animate object thing. I think that's a bunch of hokum. I feel like me personally would probably be 
a little offended if you were to just think of me as an object that you could animate. I am a person, okay? You need to use dark magic in order to bring sentient life back, even whatever capacity. I just don't think you're going to weaken at Bernie's your way through this with animate object, okay? It just doesn't... That doesn't work for me. I don't like that. Uh, I mean, you guys know that I love Aberon, so what I would do is I, I wouldn't just have uh, zombies in graveyards and subterranean places and, you know, on your way to the Yaldeen Reaches, but uh, these guys I would also plug all over the place on the edges of the Mornland. The people that died in there, I know that there are some other things that happened to those people, but there's no reason that you couldn't make them zombies either okay just being able to have zombies spread out from this continent sized area on all fronts because you keep in mind that the Mornland is right in the middle of Corvair so if you can get zombies spreading out in all direction almost like a plague you know I, I think that that has a lot of potential and being able to drive it back in one direction doesn't necessarily mean that you're driving it back in all directions I think that this could actually be something th this could be a world-level threat that players in Eberron are dealing with. I, I really like the idea of having the zombie plague, or for lack of a better term, uh, infecting the world and spreading out from there. Uh, but, as you guys know, <clears throat> i got a lot of work to do here on the Draconic Prophecy, so I'm going to get going. I'm going to send it back to Adam and Dan. If uh, you guys want to talk to me about anything, feel free to hit me up on the subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Uh, and I will talk to you guys next time. Do you think D&D zombies are sentient? <sighs> Limited. They are sentient enough to know if I need to turn left to attack that thing, I will turn left to attack that thing. They're also sentient enough to know that, hey, the guy beside me is banging on that door. I got to bang on that door. Yeah. Um, but they are not sentient enough to be like, I could turn this handle and open it. Right. They're not sentient well, enough to that, understand basic mechanics. But that's not sentience. That's not self-awareness. Sentience is self-awareness, right? It's not necessarily intelligence. Yeah, true. But I, I also, if my party is sitting in a shadowy, hidden vantage point, and they shoot an arrow at a zombie, and it hits that zombie, I think he might turn. But if he doesn't immediately see something, he's going to go back to what he's doing. He's not going to know that the arrow came from my right, so I should walk to my right until I come across something. I think that if he gets, let's say, a shot in, in the right shoulder, he will turn in that direction and stand there and just look. I don't think that he will hunt. I, no. don't, I don't think that he knows enough. He just, the last thing that got its attention was from that direction, so he turns, but now there's nothing to get his attention. So he has no reason to turn back anywhere else. Well, you're right, unless he has this, you know superseding order that kind of covers it, his existence. Right, right. Okay, from, sure. from his necromancer or his cleric or something. Right. And also, I mean, if there is, let's say, for example, there is a goblin sitting on top of a platform that those zombies can't get to, you can sit back and pick off the zombies with arrows and stuff. It'll d distract them for a little bit. They'll turn around, not see anything, go right back to that goblin. Yeah. Trying to get that goblin. But if they're just standing in the town square, just standing there, then they will... Be curious as to what just got their attention right now. They might, I would even say they might move 10 feet in that direction. So half their movement speed and then, and then stop. They've got nothing else to. True. But if they hear repeated footsteps down an alley and they're standing in the oh, thing. Oh, that's that movement. Is, that's movement. They're going to go in that direction. Yeah. 
they're going to follow sound. They might and and motion. But if there's no sound and there's no motion, they're 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 just going to sit, observe, and then go back to doing what they were doing before. Yeah, and that's why I I think that to answer Megan's earlier question, that's why they have dark vision from a necromantic point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, is so that they can see even things in the dark. Yeah. Now that being said, they are only AC eight. They are only 3d8 plus 9 hit points. These things are designed to be walloped. They're designed to be a fair fight against the PCs. And your average PC when encountering these things like 13 to 16 AC, your 6 to 16 hit points. Compare the attack of a plus 3 from a zombie with the hit of a PC's average of plus 4 at level 1. And the fact that you're essentially training D6s for D8s. Yeah, yeah, the zombies do D6 and... And everybody's using a rapier. Yeah, right. So zombies don't hit as often. They, but they don't need to do as much damage. Players will hit more often and can move faster. But zombies can get back up occasionally. These guys are freaky at level one, purely because of their endurance and their sustainability. But the fact that they rely on pure numbers is the most threatening part. One of the things that I find really interesting is... We talked in the last two Null episodes, I mentioned then Terry, that it was our endurance as a species that make us good hunters. Yeah. We're slower than others, but we will catch you in time as you tire out. And we, zombies to us. Yeah, we flip the script now, right? Like, yeah. the zombies are going to come. I think that's one of the reasons why zombies are so inherently, like, there's discomfort when considering zombies because of that, right? Like, they take our base human impulses and strip them down to this terrifying level yeah i i I, look i really like this i think that the one quarter cr with the way that the numbers like the numerical stack of it the zombies won't hit as often just average right but they don't need to right like you can do four zombies to four pcs it's gonna really fit nicely it's really easy to get you up to level two right because you just double the numbers but now people are getting swarmed and keeping in mind that your sorcerer might have six hit points and the zombie's doing 1d6 plus one damage with its slam. You could drop. You can be dropping people. If there are two zombies swarming this sorcerer, there's a really good chance that that sorcerer's going to drop. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially because its AC is probably not, not. Probably just a 14. <laughs> right? Whereas, I mean, yes, the zombie is an, is an eight, but it's going to take three or four hits at level one. Your sorcerer can't. No. Yeah. So... Any time that you are stacking up two or three zombies against a single low AC or low hit point tier one character, that character's in real fucking trouble. Yeah. When it comes to zombies, you need the barbarian, the paladin, the fighter, the monk even, right? Who's going to have the wisdom bonus and with an AC of 16. Like, you need these guys to be able to tie up the zombies while your spellcasters, your rogues and rangers and artificers are going to stand back. And pepper them from from a distance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's all pretty straightforward, right? A zombie is a zombie is a zombie. But while not all zombies are made from humans in Dungeons and Dragons, there's really only one zombie stat block given for a horde creature, right? You'd think that we would have seen. I mean, we got witherlings, but those don't really count. Those aren't zombies, no. right? But we, there's no orc zombie. There's no goblin zombie, right? Um, so let's jump over to Tyler and see what he can tell us about the Icewind cobalt zombie from rhyme of the frost maiden 
Alright, so I'm currently walking around the wastelands scouring for supplies for a project of mine. But with all this talk you guys have been doing, it reminds me of a tale I heard from the kobolds that we had been staying with not long ago. So kobolds are not all the same. And apparently there's ones in Icewind that are a bit more hardy than your average kobold. Well, the tale goes like this, that up there was once a necromancer by the name of Verlene Harpel. This necromancer employed several of these Icewind kobold to guide her around. Now, some of them died. Being a necromancer, this was not a problem for her because she just raised them back up as zombies. And apparently she had said that it was the cold climate that helps preserve their dead flesh. Well, let's have a look at these stats. They have a slightly higher armor class than your regular zombie. But that also being said, their hit points, how much health they have, is a little less. Instead of it being, what was it, the zombies, the Icewind Cobalt zombies only have about 3d6 plus 9. So it's a little less. Their strength takes a pretty heavy hit. Less than your average human. Now, their decks, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma all pretty much track for regular zombie, and so does their constitution, incredibly high. And their saving throws, also, just like a zombie, it, instead of it being a minus two to wisdom, it becomes a zero. Again, they have poison immunities and from poison condition. Again, dark vision up to 60 feet, passive perception of eight. The challenge, guys, they're not that hard. They're only a one-eighth, just like your average kobold. And just like your zombie, they also have that undead fortitude, which can prove a bit tiresome if you don't deal with them the right way, guys. As for their actions, instead of the slam attack, they have a javelin, which would be a pretty interesting thing to see a, a zombie holding a javelin trying to hit because it only gets a plus one. That's it. it that's all it is. And it's only a five foot, so they can't even throw this thing. So you're looking at about a 1d6 minus one for piercing damage. So here's an interesting thing to think about for these guys. Since we all know that murder hobos don't talk to their kobolds, if they haven't learned anything from Megan yet, talk to your kobolds. You'll not realize that you might have a kobold zombie in your hand if you find yourself in the ice wind. So you might think that when you hit them and they go down and they stay down, when you don't realize it comes right back up and hits you again. Okay, it's just one. One ain't going to be that much of a deal. What if you suddenly find yourself facing 10, 20 of these things that a necromancer decided to have a bit of fun with? And you think, oh, we took them all down in one area effect. And you go in and then all of a sudden they all get back up. What if one of these guys takes you down in underwater? They don't need to breathe, but you do. What happens then? If suddenly a pile of these guys pile on top of you on top of a frozen lake, breaks the ice, and you can't get free. You're in a bit of a heap of trouble at that point. Well, I better head back to my scouring, looking for some bones at this point. But until next time, guys, see you later. So this is going to be the first time that we see that zombies can vary in size, which makes sense but that they're all undead and they're all neutral evil. Of course, the magic that raises them allows them to understand but not speak whatever languages they knew in life as well. So like we're seeing vestiges of their former life, 
uh, very tactile images of their former life, but they have been twisted by the very nature of them. It's interesting to me, and I understand this, it's interesting to me that we don't have an undead language. That necromancers and orcus and uh, the Shadowfell doesn't have like a like an undead language. And I don't really think we need one. But don't you think that it would be more effective for the necromancer to speak in some deep Latin sound and thing to turn the zombies to do things? Or is that just uh, this is somatic components when they're raising dead? It's just somatic components. Like this isn't this isn't evil dead, right? I know, but I, I feel like I kind of want it to be. When we're dealing with the magic zombie, I kind of want it to be. But then again, I don't want banshees or ghouls or anything else to be speaking this other language. So it's just specifically for necromancers and I, people raising the dead. Especially when you get into like the realm of Orcus being the demon prince of the undead. I like the idea of mixing their language they knew in life with a little bit of like straight up abyssal, right? If this is an arcane zombie like a one that a necromancer pulled up it might just say the odd word guttural very mechanically in abyssal it might never have known abyssal but that arcane abyssal energy that has raised it is let a word out i really like the idea of them repeating the one word from their command right dig dig yeah i i like that maybe in some cases my horde zombies that I'm going to have in the town that's over in the town are not going to do that. They're not going to be. Go- they're not all going to be saying kill, kill, kill. However, the one that's that's standing in for Igor, right, for the necromancer, might have that one thing that he says. I may just fuck with the flavor a little bit on that. The other thing I've liked, I've done this with undead in the in the past in some of my games, uh, especially with the recent undead. The players saw this character die, witnessed the death, and then the next session are fighting the undead corpse kind of deal. It just, in its low undead mechanical way, saying the last thing it said before it died has been burned into its vocalizations. Daddy, help. Yeah. Daddy, help. That's horrifying. Yep. Alrighty. That's, yep, that that bothers me. Also, it was weird looking you in the eye and saying daddy. Um, Not that weird, though. It's pretty fucking weird. It, it, it's just because it's Thursday, right? I uh, I am not Terry. So... I just want to point out, Tyler like skimmed this really quickly with his, was the idea of zombies fighting underwater, right? That's, first of all, fucking horrifying. Until you run into the D&D mechanics of drowning, which I have bitched about more than once. You get too much time not, yes. not being able to breathe. But it lets me think that the most effective way to do it is to grapple. And now I'm changing my, my zombie tactics to the first one grapples, the second one grapples. The next six slam. Yeah. Right? And specifically six because you can only, in a regular square You, you can grid. only be surrounded by six, yeah. yeah well, or by eight, eight total, yeah. yeah. So um, this is especially for me, I mean, if you listen back a few episodes, you go off on the fact that you're not a big swimmer. Like the idea of like the seaweed dangling at the bottom of your feet as you swim. It's not that I don't, I like swimming in, in swimming pools. I fucking hate unseen depths of, of water. Yeah. So I could just imagine your character swimming along and let's make it a murky lake. Maybe it's got some uh, like plant growth up and it tickles your character's leg and you do a couple, you do a couple things like you mention it in passing. And then one of the little things that tickles the bottom of their feet as they swim holds on and starts to pull. 
Yeah, like, see, that's fucking terrifying. In my head, though, it's a tentacle, but, like, even you, with zombies... You get Lake Placid pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, that lake is going to turn yellow. Yeah. Right. Or so, brown. So, because of poop. Because of poop. So, you know... <laughs> so, no, no, but, but my point about grappling is not just going to be underwater. Mm-hmm. I think that that should be something that all zombies do. Grapple should be something... I mean, every kind of monster can grapple. Yep. It's just not written in the monster manual in their stat block. 100% should be a tactic for zombies. Yeah, that has got to be one of their main tactics. The first zombie that swings at you is going for a grab. The second one is going to solidify that grab. Any other ones after that are going to hit you while you're grabbed. Yeah. Right. And you know how you can move a character when you've got them grappled? I think they only move them down to prone. They just drag you to the ground. Uh, yes and no. Well, you're restrained, so you can't get away, right? Which means that everybody around you is going to have advantage because you are now prone. Even though zombies don't get pack tactics. Yep. Right? And so now those slams with advantage are going to rack up quickly. Yeah. I I, I like the idea of dragging someone away, but your standard zombie just dragging someone down. But remember, the rest of the zombie horde is going to move forward. Yeah. Right? So you get pulled to the ground and then zombies are going to walk over you as you're surrounded by certain zombies and block access back to you. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it. I think there's another ring of the five by five square. So what is another 14 zombies surrounding the eight so that you've got to go through two layers and every other zombie, let's say 15 feet away from you, will keep moving forward. Yeah. So there is going to be that kind of dogpile mechanic. I don't care who you are. If you can't teleport, you're fucked. Yeah. Your wizard has got to sit there and be like, hey, I'm dropping Sleet Storm and we're just hoping. We're hoping it kills as much as we can and we'll revive you. I've got Revivify. The cleric's sitting there with the with the potion of healing. We're, we're coming for you, bud. Yeah. But we got to knock everything else out first. But again, even knocking them out, they're, they're going to get the fuck back up. Yep. There's a really good chance of it. So the other thing I want to say here, um, and this is mainly because the fact that they can't throw the javelins like the standard Icewind Dale uh, Cobalts can is incredibly telling. Like this is base melee only mechanical. They're moving forward and they're attacking you with their claws, maybe a weapon. Yeah, but they're not throwing it. They are incapable of understanding the motor skills necessary to pull back and throw an item. Yeah. Right? So that is your base level of intelligence here. This is why skeletons can use bows. Zombies can't. Yes. Yeah. And so you're right. It's left out of the sap block. You got to almost look for what's being omitted sometimes. Right? Uh, And it's it's something to to keep in mind. One of the things that drives me nuts about omissions is the fact that uh, zombies can be exhausted. Makes no sense. No, there's a lot of shit that make sense. The fact that they're not at least resistant to necrotic damage makes no sense to me. These are magical zombies, right? Like there's, I get the poison aspect, but you should be able to poison and rot out a magical zombie. 3.5 straight up had undead traits, which gave you a list of things that all undead shared, right? I would love to see that kind of stuff in 5e. All right. So yeah, I look, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I want there to be more of a punch for undead. There are so many kinds of undead out there that I feel like we've covered all of our bases in one flavor or another. Yeah. But one of the things that people may not realize about zombies in particular is that there's many different kinds. It's not just uh, the cobalt flavor of your basic zombie. 
Uh, not all zombies are necessarily created equal. And in the Tomb of Horrors from Tales of the Yawning Portal, there is a zombie uh, that is going to do way more damage than your players may expect, and yet still be roughly the same flavor. Terry has also recently bitten off more than he can chew, so hey. let's see what he's got going on there. Okay, well thanks Adam and Dan for throwing it over to me, still over here at the Green Dragon Inn. That, um, that wasn't a halfling, or a dwarf, that I was uh, engaging with last time. It was a short fat man, his name is... Derek and he's taking me shopping today. We're gonna to buy shoes. Um, I'm gonna be talking about greater zombie today. <laughs> Not just a regular zombie, but a greater zombie. And I haven't had too much with ex experience with these, but but I think I would like to use them at some point. Okay, so greater zombie is still considered to be medium undead, neutral evil, armor class pretty good, 15 hit points jacked right up from a regular zombie 97 hit points on average that's 13 d8 plus 39 hit points speed still standard speed when we're looking at the stats lowest one shocker dex 10 what's strange here is that a greater zombie and i, and I can't remember with a regular zombie i'd have to double check their dexterity is that of an average human apparently a greater zombie's dexterity is that of mine i would like to see it try personally Intelligence is lower, wisdom's lower, charisma's lower. Sure, that makes sense. And then we're jacking everything else much higher. So constitution is way up there as is strength at the highest stat at 18. Saving throws, wisdom plus one, sure. Damage resistance is cold, necrotic, makes sense. Damage immunities, poison, makes sense. Condition immunities, charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, poison, all makes sense. Dark vision of 60 feet, passive perception of 8. Languages, can't speak, might groan a little bit, but understands the languages it knew in life. I think this is important, because I think there's something you can play with here that gets overlooked. It, it is deliberately so that it understands the languages that it knew in life. DMs, when it comes to building puzzles, or interactions, or, or, or using this zombie, this greater zombie, for something outside of combat, Bear that in mind, it understands the languages it knew in life but can't speak. That also means that it may not be immediately apparent what languages those are to the people that are in front of them. If it is an elf, it's pretty obvious, but if it's not, it, it may not be. You know, it, it, human is a great example because I know all humans automatically speak common by the flavor text, but it doesn't need to be that way. You know, we played with a goblin in our game that didn't understand goblin because it was turned into a goblin from a horse, so where did it learn goblin? These types of things, for example. Challenge rating 5. Okay, let's look at some abilities. Turn resistance. The zombie has advantage on saving throws against any effect that turns undead. Clerics. You're not going to know this immediately, but you'll know it pretty quick, and uh, and that and that's going to be a factor to 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 factor in in your game. It has undead fortitude. It's going to be important to factor in as well. DMs, don't forget about that. Uh, it's it's easily overlooked as as you get down to those fewer those lower hit points, and then uh, you just think that the, the battle's over, but it's not. It can come back again. For actions, we have multi attack. So the uh, the zombie makes two melee attacks. They're both going to be empowered slam. It's a melee weapon attack. Plus 7 to hit, reach 5 feet, 1 target, standard damage of 7, that's 1d6 plus 4, it's bludgeoning damage. And 7, 2d6, necrotic damage is added to that. Very important. Okay, this is how I will use the greater zombie. Yeah, you can do it in standard combat if you like, why not? But when you've got a creature that all it knows is it just has to kill the thing in front of it, moves fairly slowly in the sense that it's lower dexterity, and only understands the languages it used in life, I would almost, I would deliberately overpower a battle in that I would have more greater zombies than a party can take, quite obviously. Like, it's clearly going to be some sort of lethal combat, 
and I would lock them in somewhere. This all sounds very like unfair, but in the sense that it's a situation where this would naturally occur. You know, they're they're locked in or enclosed in a, an environment, more greater zombies than they can handle. And the way out of this situation would be to manipulate the fact of these, manipulate these zombies in some way. So it may even be that uh, the, the zombies, for whatever reason, will listen to you. It's just you have to figure out what language they're speaking. And maybe, the, oh, they can understand rather. Maybe there'll be clues around for this. Maybe you'll have to explore through the languages that you know, because we know that in a party, that's usually like 12 languages or something that you can get between you um, and try and figure out which one it is. Maybe you, you're going to, because it understands, you're going to try and guide it towards something. Like maybe you can bring it towards a large pool of water somehow by diverting its attention. Or even I would play this. This is very video game style, but why not? You know, is is try and get them to attack you, hoping that they miss or using some sort of ability to, to, to ensure that they miss. And when they do miss, have the zombie maybe hit a pillar or a post or something behind you. And then describe to the players that um, that, that you know they're they're causing damage to something else because they're missing you, and this starts to 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 light that candle that oh clearly this is the way out is to bring down the roof or whatever it is. But what I'm saying here is when you see specific flavor texts like understands language languages that it knew in life but cannot speak, that is an invitation to be creative with it. Don't just overlook that. You're looking at the stat block. You see, no, yes, yeah, strength, dex, yeah, whatever, passive perception, melee attack, big wow. But then you're seeing something which is shining out to you, which is saying, this is the thing that you need to focus on. This is your puzzle. This is your combat encounter. Is This is the thing that's going to make it interesting. Because if you don't lean into those things, you get finely swept stone floor, or you get an open meadow at two o'clock on a Thursday and it's 19 degrees. I don't know what that is in American. You and the other two countries can figure that out yourself that use Fahrenheit, okay? But this is what I'm saying, okay? Lean into those things that stand out because they're put there deliberately so to make your encounters more interesting. And that's really it for Greater Zombies. Just think a little bit about it, okay? I'll hand it back over to Adam and Dan. Thanks very much for having me. Me and Bob, I don't think his name was Bob. Whatever I said he was, we're going shopping for shoes. I'm out. Typical fucking Terry. Not even bothering to learn a sugar daddy's name. What's wrong with you, Poor Terry? Derek. So, moving on. Yeah? That movement speed of 30 feet is going to tip off the experienced player who might be expecting this to be a standard zombie. Yeah. I I think that that is going to be one of the things that I'm going to put these guys... If I'm going to inject them into a, a group of zombies, I'm going to put them at the back. So that you don't necessarily pay attention to them moving through the horde so quickly. Yeah. But if you put them in the front, they're going to outpace the rest and be a clear target. And it's going to undermine the effectiveness of them. Yeah. So as I'm planning my encounter, I'm going to leave these guys in the back. Because they're also going to be the last one standing and they just keep taking hits. Because they've got this crazy fucking over-the-top health uh, yeah. hit points, right? Yeah. So yeah. Finally, resistant to cold and necrotic. This finally makes sense. Yeah, well... For fuck's sakes, that should be in the other one, right? So yeah. what does it mean here? Why do we get it now with the greater zombie? <sighs> I I mean, it's a more advanced zombie. Right, but, but how do you make a more advanced zombie, I guess is my question. By lore, do you just leave them in a place with necrotic or necromantic energies or... Either that or they, they are near a font of necrotic power or whether that is, like it is in Tomb of Horrors, a lich... You know how people try to become liches or they get partway through the death knight ritual and they fail? Yeah. They become a greater zombie. 
Cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. I also like the idea of the, the Lich just creating these things. Yeah. Just to have an extra punch. Like the Vecna level zombies. Yeah. Right. Okay. So hold on. Now let's look at the other thing. Immune to charmed, exhaustion, frightened, and paralyzed. The fuck does that mean now? Like the other guys can't. You can charm a zombie. You can exhaust, frighten, or paralyze a regular zombie. Like apparently you fucking can. A lot of the stat block feels like Wizards was saying, here's our zombie guys. And everyone's all like, but your silence, your omissions is speaking volumes why not this? Why not that? That And they go, all right, well, here's Tomb of Horrors. It's this thing. It's better. Yeah, but, fix but, the but going from a CR quarter to a CR five is not just a fix, right? Like I guess this. that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe they were just trying to increase their power to make them viable for bigger parties. I just think they were trying to fuck with you in the Tomb of Horrors, frankly. I mean, yes, they were trying to do that, too. They were succeeding in doing that in the Tomb of Horrors. I just, place. I, 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 so I sat down because I used an online generator to build a monster and the moment that I added an immunity to any one of these things, it bumped it up to a CR half. So a, so a zombie is a strong CR quarter. Okay. And when I went to add anything else, it bumped it up. So now it's too powerful for what they wanted it to be for its horde numbers. Hmm. Okay. Right. So, and that is a weak CR half, but on paper, people aren't going to be able to, to figure that out. So. Well, the other thing, I mean, cold damage is rare enough where this... I don't, I don't give a fuck about the cold damage. Just the, the necrotic da- damage. The necrotic damage is the thing that you're going to be pulling on more than anything else, right? I still don't mind the idea of a zombie getting poisoned. And like, you think about their skin bubbling up or like their guts rotting out and whatnot. And so they will take some damage to it. But what's the difference between necrotic and poison? Like the legitimate necrotic rots you out. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is the removal of the energies of life from whatever that is. Okay, can you rot a zombie to death using magic? It's not immune to necrotic. So I guess that's the difference is these guys can't be rotted out. They're preserved better. Yeah. Man, really breaking... They're just made better zombies. Breaking down the stat blocks has given me so much more of an appreciation for how to run even my base level mob monsters. You're welcome, internet. (laughs) Not not my point. but But anyways... uh. There's also the addition that they do necrotic damage. It gives us an impression that this necrotic magic is far more potent in these guys as well. So are you going to put them in like like ritual circles and shit when you first run across Fuck them? Yes. That you're going to lean harder into the magic with these guys than your standard zombie horde. As a CR5 creature, I imagine the party... First level party is taking down the local necromancer who is raising some great and powerful undead lord. And of course your party is going to succeed because it's what your party does in stopping the ritual. This is the thing that gets up to be that boss level creature beside that necromancer, right? Yeah. It You got other zombies in the area, but they're just CR quarter f- farts in the wind. The... CR5 zombie gets up and now it's a little bit more durable, a little bit bigger. Like You're getting that half step into flesh golem almost. Yeah, right? And you heavily imply as the DM that this could have been worse for you guys. This could have been the embodiment of Vecna brought back again to life or some shit, right? Yeah, I guess the other thing that I would use these guys for is just simply going to be the guard level as well for your Strahd types. Yeah, okay. Right? Like your big scary undead is going to have 
Strahd, Strahd's Coatman is going to be one of these guys. Uh, yeah, kind of. That's that's kind of where I'm I'm going to go with this. Of course, he's going to want vampires, but like mummy lords might have these greater zombies in and among their mummies. Yeah. So I, I can find places to put these guys in as guards. It can be a little bit tougher and beefier and in different ways. But I, I wish that we had a clear reason why outside of the Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of this tome feels like they're just better made zombies. If I, but... if I can be honest too, the Tomb of Horrors and Tales of the Yawning Portal is just about the least canonical thing that we have in 5th edition. That's still technically canon, but I don't fucking count it because it's... It's legitimately a throwback. It's nearly impossible to survive. It's tossed in for fan service. And they went ahead and they did a better job of it with Tomb of Annihilation anyway. Right? Like oh, It's debatable. The the Tomb of Horrors itself is not something that I would ever run at a table. Not the one out of the... Not, no. I'm, well, it is if your player specifically wants to run the Tomb of Horrors for the prestige of saying, yeah, we tried that once. Yeah. Well, that's it. But, but that's what I mean. Like, this guy popping up specifically in there means that he's only partially canonical in my head, even though he is officially published by Wizards of the Coast. So, I'm... Unless you own Tales of the Yawning Portal, you're not going to run into these guys anywhere else. Which is unfortunate because I like that they pack that punch. Yeah. Now, there's no real way to discuss Undead without tossing out a little mention to the Undead campaign in 5th Ed, which I've done now a couple of times, which is the Curse of Strahd. Strayed! Strayed! Yeah, it's a Curse of Strayed. He's Curse of Strayed, hey? Oh, yeah. So this one's going to be Pepperina? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Uh, we're going to jump over to Barovia, though, and see what Jeff has learned about another kind of special zombie from Adam Eva. Uh, he's from the Midwest, too. It counts. So, when they told me I was going to be staring into the ether with Madame Eva, I got a little concerned I was going to be roofied. I mean, I've heard that happens back in Waterdeep, but I didn't think I'd have to worry about it here, too. Turns out, it just means staring into some crystal ball for a while. Anyway, Madame Eva's been very pleasant to me, if a bit creepy. Thinking about heading home soon, though, one can only drink so much Red Dragon Crush. Right. Zombies. I saw a bunch of these strange-looking bastards she called strayed zombies? Strahd zombies? Apparently they're not the same as your plain old regular zombies. For starters, apparently these are the reanimated corpses of that strayed dude's guards from a long time ago. If you squint a little, the rags they're wearing even kinda look like moldy rotten old uniforms. I guess this cranky old vampire guy got real mad about something and made his guard's corpses get back up and walk this whole land. It would seem that the years... What? Actually, Madame Ava says it's been centuries? Well, like, the centuries have, haven't been kind to these zombies. Makes their bones brittle enough that bits sometimes fall off and keep attacking when you hit them. This old bat herder lord of theirs made them tougher than regular zombies, but not enough that their arms stay attached. Just like your regular boring zombies, these walking decay factories don't need air or sleep. They're a medium undead creature and are unaligned. They have a challenge rating of 1, which is higher than a run-of-the-mill zombie. They have 30 hit points, which is also more than the regular ones, but a speed of 20 feet, which is unchanged. AC is still 8, so easy to hit. Their ability scores are exactly the same as a standard zombie. Above average strength, abysmal dex, and stout constitution. Their intelligence is truly awful, wisdom and charisma aren't much better. Mindless killing machines. Despite their horrible wisdom score, their wisdom saves are average. As far as skills, they have no skills. You ever met a skilled zombie? Me either. 
They have immunity to both poison damage and the poison condition. Hard to poison something that's already dead. They have 60 feet of dark vision and a passive perception of 8. They know whatever languages they knew before they got dead, but they're not doing anything with it. Pretty standard zombie stuff. Now, on to the fun part. The limbs flying off bit. The Vistani here call it loathsome limbs. If they take at least five points of bludgeoning or slashing damage in a single hit, a random limb flies off. Roll a d20 to see which one. One to eight, a leg flies off. Nine to 16, an arm flies off. 17 to 20, and the head itself plops into the mud. Anyone have a golf club? If the strayed zombie hits zero hit points, all the parts die. Up until that point, all the bits act on the same turn as the body and have their own actions and movement. Each part has the same AC as the zombie itself, and damage taken to a part is taken by the whole creature. The legs can attack and have a speed of 5 feet. The arms also have a speed of 5 feet, and each one can make a disadvantaged claw attack. The body loses a claw attack with each arm that falls off. Pretty great visual of an arm just chasing you through the mud, grabbing you by the ankles and digging its nails in, trying to make it harder for you to attack the rest of it, I guess. If the head falls off, the zombie's bite attack goes with it. The body is blinded unless the head can see it. The head itself can't move, but it can make a bite attack against a creature in its own space. If the zombie has one leg, its speed is halved. If both legs are severed, it falls prone. If it has both arms, it can crawl, which is a fun image. Remove one arm and the crawl speed is halved. If all the legs and arms are removed, it has a speed of zero and can't benefit from bonuses to speed. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. It's just a torso with a head, maybe, at that point? Another thing that separates the Strahd zombies from their more boring cousins would be their attacks. Instead of one boring slam attack, they get three attacks. One bite and two claws. That's right, zombies with multi-attack. Fun stuff. The bite and claw are both plus three to hit with a five foot reach against a single target. The bite does 1d4 plus one piercing and the claw attack does 1d6 plus one slashing. The only thing a strayed zombie is missing from the regular zombie's repertoire is the undead fortitude trait, but I wouldn't be surprised if particularly evil DMs added that back in just for fun. I sure as shit would. Aside from being apparently very common here in what I'm told is Barovia, Strahd zombies would be a fun little surprise to throw in a pack of normal zombies just to spice things up a bit. Who doesn't like the occasional limb flying in the air? Come to think of it, they sound awfully similar to the zombies I saw outside a camp here last night. What, what'd you say, Madame Ava? What do you, what do you mean I can't leave? Guys, we're gonna have to talk later. You can find me on Instagram at the.zombie.night, that's with a K, Knigget. I think Ava and I are about to have an argument. You, you, you said I could leave whenever I want. Tis but a scratch. Poor Jeff is in for a fucking headache trying to get out of there. And did you notice that he said Knigget? That's a great movie. Well, I mean, you obviously like it because you just referenced it. Oh, man. It, it's in my top five. So Jeff points out that this flavor of zombie doesn't get the undead fortitude trait. Would you add it back in? Yes. Yeah? Just because? Yeah. Even though it's it's fucking falling apart? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I still would keep it in. Even, even with the lopping off of the limbs, even with all that. Zombies are supposed to be hard to kill. Yeah, and I feel like, honestly, while, he, while it is hard to kill this time around, it's not... It, yeah, it's still not impossible. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not enough of a challenge. That that undead fortitude ability that 
every other zombie gets is so powerful and so amazing and such and so a great for campaign zombies. design thing that they put in. Why would you take it out? Uh, because I think it would bump it from a CR1 to a CR2. I think that that would make it a CR one and a half. I've started to start, like, I'm looking at stat blocks now as they didn't add this thing in or they added this in just to bump it to the appropriate CR level. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a mechanics thing because they laid out the mentality behind it in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And as far as I can tell, they stick to that. There's an answer to that then. Reduce the amount of hit points. Reduce the amount of hit points, add the ability. The problem is if you reduce the amount of hit points for these guys specifically, then the idea of the of the arms and legs with the lesser amount of hit points just makes it all of it easier to kill. Right. So true. anyway, I would just fucking add it anyway and have it be a tougher encounter and keep that in mind. Last episode we talked about the Flind, who is a hard CR9. Yeah. Right? Like you look at the Flind and go, that should really be a CR10, if not a CR11 wizards. Why are they drawing the line on this zombie from Strahd? Like, I... Uh, nah, man. Put it in. Yeah, uh, look, I'm fine with it. I, I think that because when you get the stat blocks in the modules themselves, there's an idea of your players should be at this level when they fight this number of these creatures. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're aiming for this CR under these environmental circumstances. So they're really designing an encounter, building a monster to fit that encounter, and then giving you a stat block, which people will then pull out of the book yeah. and use in other encounters. So understanding their mentality of where you would run into these guys as CR1, that would be why they kept them down like that and they, so that a, a dungeon master doesn't look at it and say, well, CR2... And there are five of them there. Well, that's a CR 10 encounter for my level five party. They can't fight. But they actually fucking can, right? Like You, you bring that up and, and it makes me like I, I've been really interested recently in building my own monsters, building my own stat blocks and things like that. And like these things are basically just troll zombies. Yeah, with the, without the healing, but yeah. Yeah, right. So it, I'm kind of curious as what the process would be to reverse engineer these to just run them as troll babies. <laughs> uh yeah okay i like that yes yeah. uh, fire and acid um yeah well they the healing would actually stop the healing process for sure yeah you'd have to give them more hit points and ac they're just these guys well maybe not hit. necessarily more ac they are still babies true but i mean i would give them natural armor like i, I would bust oh yeah the okay, AC okay up yeah a couple. that's fair enough um I, I i'd give them a flavor of the type of troll they were as well yeah, there are lots of different kinds of There's trolls. There's a lot so. of different kinds of trolls. So, like, I'm pretty sure that every baby is already a fucking venom troll. I, I like you're saying that just in the real world. Every, oh yeah, every single child is just a venom troll. Oh yeah, absolutely. The amount of fucking goop, fluid goop that just comes just out of, the, just out of all block. ends. Back to zombies. As a DM, how insane is it to run a group of these things? Remember, it's just a CR one. But there's so many moving parts to keep track of in this. That's why I don't like them. You would It's a lot of paperwork. The way I run encounters very quick and dirty and from the hip, like it's adding in a lot of this kind of paperwork on top of it with my notes just distracts me further from trying to run an engaging combat. When you run combat, you turn to the next three people and say, uh, Brad, then then Terry, then Megan. Uh, you guys tell me what you're going to do. Think about it. I'm going to get to you as soon as I'm done over here with Dave. Right. And so then you finish Dave off. You go, all right, Brad, what are you doing? And you are managing three steps in advance as well. Yeah. 
And I have seen you at tables. I, okay, to be fair, it was a table of like seven people plus three NPCs and then monsters. Shit was getting dropped left, right, and center. Yeah. Especially because they were new players. So they didn't know what they were properly doing either. And so. Yeah, the one of them was a warlock and it's like, what are you doing? You're, you're just going to Eldritch Blast, all right? You're just going to Eldritch Blast. We all know it. You've done it every single round for everything. You're just going to Eldritch Blast. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I move here? Fuck right? Like, God. And, and so. You were you were losing track of bits and pieces. Yeah. The Strahd zombies would have been insane to run in that kind of scenario. Especially when you're running them as a horde. Yeah. So when I run a table, I have four experienced players who are engaged in everybody's turn. Um, uh, there are no phones at the table. Like... I feel like I can drop five or six of these guys and their body parts getting lopped off and moving around the map and stuff. I can handle that, but that stresses my my capabilities, right? Especially if these guys are close to each other. I'm losing track of whose limbs belong to whom. Yep. Right? So But well, I mean that's okay. Well, it 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 is okay, but like I still want it for me, for my flavor. When I'm looking at the number of hit points, because remember when this when this zombie dies, all of the limbs die. Yeah, I guess that's true. Right? So I do kind of need to know that, right? So it does get complicated. I like the strawed, the strayed zombies <laughs> to a point. I'm going to use them in a limited way, and I'm not going to have a horde of them. Just make them troll babies and you're done. <laughs> you and your troll babies. Okay, so we can't discuss zombie body parts without talking about John Bobbitt. Without giving a spotlight. Wow. To the ridiculous monsters in the, what, you were going to make you a purple just, worm joke? No, you just ridiculously dated yourself by making a John Bobbitt reference. Yeah, but you got it. <laughs> I'm also old. Yeah, there it is. So let's uh, let's go from Monty Python to the Evil Dead 2. We're going to talk about what Brad has to say about the Crawling Claw. Brad here, checking in once again from the Yawning Portal Tavern. Taking a quick break from mopping floors and cleaning glasses to uh, tell you a story I've heard this week. I was talking to some travelers who were mentioning this, uh, something they came across that really made my skin crawl. Pun partially intended, I suppose. This thing is called the Crawling Claw. It's a zombified hand for all intents and purposes. Uh, it can be summoned by either a wizard or a warlock. Both have the capability to summon these things as long as they've got an evil bent to them. Uh, these crawling claws are basically hands of murderers who have passed away or have lost the hands in some way or another. Uh, what happens is these hands can be basically animated by these wizards or these warlocks to be used to pull off nefarious deeds. Generally, this works uh, best when the hand has been recently severed. So finding old dead bodies that have been lying around for a while, you're not likely going to be able to animate from those. Um, it needs to be something that is recently passed or some uh, murderer who's alive and recently had their hands severed. Now, the claw itself, once it's been summoned, cannot be turned. So your clerics, your pal you can't turn undead on these things. You can't control them by any other means. Once the wizard or the warlock has gained control of this hand, you cannot take it away. The only way really to end these things is to kill them. They're an incredibly low challenge rating. They're easy to kill, but you can imagine these fast moving hands. Think of, uh, oh, what's the name of the creature from the Adams family? Uh, the hand there. God damn it, Brad. It's Thing. The name is Thing. I love that we had to chime in here to give him a hand. He couldn't figure it out by himself. We really nailed it. 
Am I done? Do I have to keep doing this? Yeah, we should just cuticle it here. That, fuck, that was that... the worst. That, that, <laughs> that was fucking bad, man. <laughs> Be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> fuck. God damn it. Anyways, something similar to that, but much more skeletal or zombie-like in nature, right? Decayed flesh. It's not alive. It's definitely decayed, but it has a mind of its own. Basically, once these things have been controlled, they can be given commands, very simple commands. You know, attack this, kill this. If anything enters the room, kill it, or go throughout the building and kill anything you find or attack anything you find, those sorts of commands, something simple. Um, you can't tell it to kill someone in particular. You can't tell it to, you know, do complex tasks. That said, they are able to open doors, doorknobs. They are able to move and they have some, you know, autonomousness, but they aren't able of, uh, aren't capable of complex thought. These things don't really have any of the intelligence or the memories of the your original host. They don't maintain any of that. However, they do draw on the violent nature of the person that they came from. Uh, whether it be hate, jealousy, greed, whatever the driving force was of the murderer that this hand was taken from, uh, that's the same thing that drives these hands. The claw, if it's taken from a murderer who's still alive, it can actually go back and it can rejoin uh, the former arm that it was taken from, which is really interesting. The flesh from this hand will basically tie itself back into the body from where it was severed. And once it, becomes, once it becomes whole again, the murderer doesn't even know that the hand was ever severed. So basically it kind of takes the thought of the fact that they've lost this hand and it removes that from them. So they'll have no idea. Now, should that claw be needed again by the person who summoned it, so the, necroman or the necromancer wizard or the warlock, should they need command of it again, they can call on it, and basically what will happen is the body that it's attached to will fall into a coma-like trance, and the hand will come and do the bidding of the master. Really interesting, really terrifying. Um, as a final note, these things, they don't need air, they don't need food, they don't drink or sleep. These things, you could put them through a puddle, through a pond, and they could crawl through it and come up on the other side. No problem, they could lie in wait in a puddle, and if you all of a sudden come walk through that puddle, it could attack you out of nowhere. Um, these guys are fairly easy to hit. They've got a low armor class. They have next to no hit points. Any sort of contact on these things should kill them. Uh, speed, they actually can move 20 feet and climb 20 feet as well. Uh, they're decently strong, quite dexterous. They move quite quickly in that sense. Uh, constitution is decent, but again, hit points are next to nothing. They're not intelligent. They have an average wisdom and very no charisma effectively. They are immune to poison, and they cannot be charmed, exhausted, or poisoned. They're able to make a claw attack on their turn with a plus three to hit and doing 1d4 plus one damage. I think this is a really flavorful creature to use. I would throw it at a party maybe once or twice. The claw itself is not dangerous, but it can certainly catch a party off guard and at least you know cause a little bit of damage to somebody if the party's not paying attention and doesn't notice it. And if you saw it, as if it was given a command to just lie and wait and wait until you got close enough to attack, you wouldn't even consider anything of it. You might think it's gross that it's a severed hand. You might even go to pick it up or interact with it or inspect it. And at that point, that's when you're going to be attacked, take a bit of damage, and then you'll probably be able to kill it fairly quickly. So these things are really interesting, um, especially when you compare them to like the Strahd zombie arm. A Strahd zombie arm, you could possibly take some of the, for a little bit of homebrew, Take some of the rules for this, right? Speed, give it a faster speed, right? If you were to maybe just knock a hand off a, zomb a straw zombie rather than a whole arm, 
I could consider using this crawling claw stat profile as a substitute for the one in the zombie profile itself. Um, it's got a little bit quicker speed, which can add a little bit more terror and creep to it. Um, the attack itself, I think, actually does less damage than the straw zombie one. But again, it's if you're using just a hand instead of an arm, there's a little bit more room for flavor here. So if you're looking for something to kind of inject into that straw zombie, or you're looking for something of creepiness and terror to add to your campaign, maybe you've got a dark necromancer as your big bad evil guy, consider putting a few of these around. Give it a shot. Try and play with the idea of having these hands be chopped off of murderers. I mean, it's a pretty common capital, not capital punishment, but a punishment in old times for, you know, hand for a hand, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that sort of mindset, right? If there's a murderer, it wouldn't have been necessarily been uncommon to cut their hands off. And should a necromancer be able to get his hand on that hand, as it were, um, it would be really interesting for him to be able to kind of build this little army of hands that basically reattach themselves and he can command at will. So I'd love to hear if you've ever come across these, because this is actually, in my research, this is the first time I've come across them. I'd love to hear what you have to say about them, if you've used them in the past, if you've seen them, or if you have any other unique ideas. Uh, reach out to me at Clueless Game Master on Instagram, or hit me up on the subreddit. And that's about all I have to say. Back to you, Adam and Dan, and back to scrubbing floors for me. So, these, these <laughs> fucking things have... <laughs> they've got... More dexterity, intelligence, and wisdom than a regular zombie by a decent fucking margin. And I feel like these are often used as follow-up encounters after a zombie battle. Like you cut off a piece and it crawls away, even when it's not a, a strawed zombie. Despite the fact that it has specific lore about it needing to come from a fresh murderer or, or yeah. evil person, right? And they're, they can even be left alive, right? This person can be left alive and like that's, that's all in the lore. Do you like the idea of having these be uh, an extra little kick in the pants at the end of a zombie encounter? Like, you need the ring off of one of the zombies, and so you kill them all, and then this fucking crawling claw disappears? Um, yes, if it is for a set-piece level encounter. Yeah. No, if it's for every encounter where I have zombies. Yeah, I'm not going to do this on a random encounter. Yeah. Yeah, like getting the MacGuffin off that one zombie's hand and it running. And I would almost do it exclusively off a greater zombie as well. Like a standard zombie isn't just going to have one of these things fall off and run away. It's It's got to be something bigger than that. Sure, but I know that the stats are higher, but it's fucking hit points is so oh, it's yeah. low. Yeah. Like yeah. I could I could drop these off of, off of a regular zombie too. I'm just not going to do it often. I think you're right on that. Yeah, it loses its impact if, if you make it off every single zombie. However, I like the idea that you could reattach it yep. to the original living person if that person's still alive. And that entire concept is disgusting and awesome. I think it would add a lot of fun aspects to say like a murder mystery level session. That'd be cool. If only we had fingerprinting in D&D, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> just This time you're just matching stumps. Not even touching that. I'm not even fucking <laughs> touching. I'm not going to touch your stumps with a 10 foot stump. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like the idea as far as like the role playing opportunity here. The, the guy doesn't know, or you are dealing consistently with, uh, I, I like the idea of the murderer that declares vengeance, right? Waves his fist in the air and no, then it falls off. No, no, no. Because remember, he is not really the, the one yeah, that's yeah, in control. Yeah. So the necromancer is using this, this murderer to take out a, like the crawling claw they're going to use it to take out a uh, shared enemy. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so you can 
kind of obfuscate a little bit who a murderer is and you can see oh people have seen that this hand with this specific tattoo well wait a minute the only person that has that tattoo is in jail and then you go over there and his hand is attached to him did you ever see that movie with devin sawa idle hands i have dude i can quote that movie front to back that is that is a fucking hilarious movie that is what this reminds me of yeah. yes thing from adam's family but also idle hands uh, see, i go to evil dead too yeah as well yeah. right I also like some of the stats on these, like the fact that they're as fast as a zombie. Yep. But they also get climb and zombies don't, which is neat and fun. That's very Evil Dead 2 to me as well. But an AC of 12 and 1d4 hit points makes them super freaking weak. I know they're CR0, but that makes them so weak. The thing that they have going for them is that 1d4 plus 1 attack. That is powerful. A commoner has 4 hit points. That is a 1 hit kill. This thing drops from the ceiling slices their throat because it's a slashing attack so it's gonna have jagged fingernails or whatever yeah and then fucks off you will murder a mayor this way it's a really good way to get like that one hit kill on an npc like that emotional shit got real or shit is even still real yeah if you have this fall off a normal zombie i also like that it's got this kind of weird ability to hunt with this 30 foot blind sight considering they're blind beyond that radius completely now that being said blind is not a overly hindering ability in D&D 5e. No, but it means that they can't notice their prey from down the street. Yeah. Right? So I feel like this gives us the implication that these crawling claws lie in wait. Their commands that they're going to get from a necromancer are going to be, go here and wait in the bedroom for this person to enter. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to do that because they've got a higher intelligence than a zombie. Yeah, that actually brings up an interesting point. Do you think these things could be familiar? Oh, uh, like for maybe a necromancer, undying warlock, yeah, like a yeah. pack to the chain warlock with a hand familiar. That that's pretty fun, right? Yeah, I, that's that's pretty fun. I Sitting like, there, like stroking his beard, and it's just the hand. I, I, I like the idea of he's sitting there, like the necromancer sitting there with his arms crossed, and you've got the left hand is the mage hand, and the right hand is the. Cr- crawling claw it's making the finger tent in front of his face as he's thinking <laughs> or or he's just leaning back and it's moving the pages of the book he's reading <laughs> i would i would not give this to a fucking bard because that hand is just hope he's got a lot of sanitizer let's just put it that yeah. way yeah so okay we've talked all episode about standard night of the living dead zombies um and a bunch of the fun variants surrounding them all but let's shift over to world war z zombies for a second yep okay in Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is one of the least known books out there. Not many people. Which is weird because it's Critical Role and... Yeah, just nobody really... I mean, References it, yeah. Yeah, I don't hear about it. Even in the online communities, I don't hear about it very often. They've got something a little bit nastier. So let's check in with James in Graven Hollow Library and see what's different about husk zombies. Thanks, Dan and Adam. In eastern Wyander, many curses linger from the calamity. A roving fog is one of these curses. This causes the dead to rise as husk zombies. There are also other fiends that will rise them in their wake. Unlike default zombies, husk zombies race toward their victims eager for the kill. They do not feed on the recently dead, but allow them to rise as dead husk zombies themselves to join in on the hunt. They have an AC of 10, an HP of 5d8 plus 15, and a speed of 35. 
Their saving throws are constitution of a plus five and wisdom of zero. Their condition and damage immunities are to poison. Their dark vision is 60 feet. They have a passive perception of eight with a CR of one. Their strength is fairly strong. Dex is average and constitution is also fairly strong. Their intelligence is abysmal and wisdom and charisma are very underwhelming. They have the curse of the husk. So any humanoid who is slain by a melee attack from a husk zombie will revive as a husk zombie on their next turn. They also have undead fortitude. They have multi-attack, which gives them two attacks unless they reduce their enemy to zero, which gives them an additional attack. Their attack can be a claw attack of a plus five to hit and 1d6 plus three slashing damage. Overall, husk zombies pack a stronger punch and can take more abuse than a default zombie. But their biggest concern is the curse of the husk. Bringing a downed humanoid back as a husk zombie so quickly is absolutely terrifying. So first off, zombies that make more zombies. Finally. Finally. I love it. The other thing is, on the next turn. Oh, That's yeah. faster than anything we've seen in even the regular media about zombies, right? Dave mentioned plague zombies earlier on. We've mentioned plague zombies from earlier on. Here they are. Yeah, finally here it is, right? Right. It was a glaring omission, and we finally have them. I love it. Yeah, these guys turn as fast as the quote-unquote rage zombies, which are not real zombies. So, like, it's nuts that that before your next turn, Th- this this person is, is turned. So if you're first in initiative and a husk zombie drops someone else to zero hit points and then their initiative order comes next, bam, they're up before you've even had another round. Yeah, it's super deadly. Yeah, and super fast. This is exactly how I want to wipe out a village. Th- like, I love the idea of the 35 uh, foot movement speed as well. You mentioned raid zombies. This That's, that's what these they're guys are. zombies too, yeah. Except that they're not technically zombies in 28 Days Later. But but that's what we get. We're getting the World War Z, the fast yeah, zombies yeah. here. Right? 70 foot dash yeah. is what you're going to get with these guys. A horde of these guys is going to grow quickly through a town. Yeah, because they're going to outrun everybody, knock them down, and then another person's going to pop up and now there's two of them. Exponential growth. I'm going to be using these in many, many campaigns. I love my fast zombies. Um, especially, you mentioned earlier the whole like... Moving the horde slowly, but you have the quick ones that are, they start in the back, but they make their way through as a distraction. Oh man. Imagine the zombie horde now replenishing itself with like the seven of these things that are inside of it. The interesting thing about it is the fact that it comes from a cursed fog. And that is problematic itself, because how do you deal with the cursed fog? I know they tried it in a movie and it was terrible. Which movie? The Fog? Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that it like that it kills people. And then it makes zombies. Is a, it's the Mark Wahlberg movie, isn't it? The Happening. Yeah, that was no, dude. That, that was, was that wasn't the Fog one. No, no, the Happening was was the trees. The, oh, the right. trees. No, they're using pollen on the air to kill us. I actually loved that storyline, and I hated that movie. That would have been a really good short story. That one wasn't a King, was it? No, 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 no. Stephen King wouldn't get involved with a. Fucking Shalomalala movie at all. So. Okay. Yeah, fine. Um, anyway, the 
Now that I've said that, I'm sure they're signing a deal right now. So, <laughs> uh, in 2023, when someone has decided to go back into our archives and listen to this, they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. No, I, I like the idea of the rolling fog creating the zombies as well. This is not a necromancer. There's no orders being given. These guys are vicious, fast killers. They are, they are out there to end life and create more of themselves. So, short of gust of wind, though, how do you deal with this fog? Like, you have got to seal up a house and wait for it to pass. Here's another one. Uh, you take your lizard folk who can hold its breath for, I don't know what it is, 10 or 15 minutes or something like that, and uh, Warforged, and you send them into the fog to go stop the origin of the fog. Yeah. Right? Like, you have to be very, very specific about what you're... I would have this as a rolling world level threat. I think it is in in Wildmount. I, I believe it is as well, but like it's not it's not world it level. It doesn't have like a source, but like it's a regional level. Sorry, like yeah. this is just something that uh, like you have in a lot of your campaigns, and as it should be in many other campaigns, the Tarask is this roaming threat. Yeah, that if it eventually comes to you, people know it exists. They can see it coming from miles away, and there ain't a fucking thing they can do about it. That's what I'm going to do with this. You can see, coming for two days away, a thick purple fog. But you're going to get hit by the zombies first. Because mm-hmm. they're going to roll in faster than the fog is. Right? And then they're going to hit you. And they're going to wipe you out. And they're going to make more. And so there's this horde. And then behind the horde, even if you hide from the horde. And they pass you by. That fog is coming. Yeah. You're, you cannot. You have to get ahead of them. And they move fast. So... Um, there are a couple of other uh, variants in the lore that are kind of tied to this this idea of uh, breathing in shit. And let's uh, let's return to Barovia again, but this time check in with Megan, who's underneath Castle Ravenloft, digging through dust and bones and corpses herself. Oh, hello, everyone in the outside world, not trapped in the deep depths of a castle. Uh, as you would know, I am Megan. I am working on a project here at the Castle Ravenloft. Today, apparently by myself, so it is super hauntingly quiet. Anyways, well, speaking of not quiet, I know we are talking about zombies today, and as much as I would like to go into grave detail, I honestly just had some feelings on some of the types that we've chatted about before. So first, ash zombies. I have very minimal thoughts and feelings on these folks. These guys are basically born from being death by a volcano and now have an attack called pocket sand, basically. Which leaves me less than impressed and doesn't leave much to be afraid of. I literally just imagine a horde of zombies kicking dirt. So, moving on. (laughs) The husk zombie is one that I really want to talk about. I have, I find this far more interesting. As we know, these are the zombies that are like frighteningly fast. In fact, faster than the average human with a 35 general speed, you know, in comparison to a regular being, which is usually around 30. Uh, It doesn't really have a desire to actually eat its prey, but kill and then turn it into another husk zombie so that it can build its own little husk zombie army, basically using a blend of its psychotic frenzy ability and its curse of the husk ability. So these to me are the scary zombies. But to make things even more frightening, there is actually a variant which, if anyone plays video games, something like Left 4 Dead or The Last of Us or what have you, I would consider these what you would call bloaters. They are given an ability that gives you the visual of a bloating human full of like disease and rot that is eventually just explodes. So not only does it deliver a punch of 4d6 poison damage, but also should you be killed by this explosion, you do become a husk zombie yourself. So here's what I imagine. A landmine field 
of these folks just sleeping. And if you touch them, or if anything touches them, they would explode, waking the rest of the mob. So I feel like this would be a great way to stop your adventurers from delving too deep into a cavern that you don't want them to go, or just straight up do a TPK and kill them to give them something to be afraid of, right? I wonder what your guys' thoughts are, though. So would you use these as hordes, or would you use these as like that one big bad in a sea of a horde of zombies? But yeah, I'll pass it right back to you. Um, and the audience, honestly, you guys can find me on Instagram at Omega O, which is zero M-E-G-A zero on Instagram. Uh, should you feel like looking at selfies and memes about video games? Uh, absolutely have yourselves, guys, a great day and uh, passing it back to you. Okay, so she hates the Ash zombies from Lost Minds of Fandolver. She didn't even talk about them. She just said, you know, they kick up dust and, and moved on. But it's actually a little <laughs> bit more uh, more daunting than that. The ability is called Ash Puff. That's why it's not daunting. Because it has a shitty name? Because it has a shitty name. You look at that and you go, Ash Puff? Fuck that. Well, it's... Read the mechanics. It's something that I'd use for any zombie that has walked through a fire. Okay. The first time it takes damage, a plume of ash explodes out from it and any living creature within five feet of it has to make a DC 10 con save or get disadvantage on all attacks, saves, and ability checks for one minute. Crippling in a combat. Especially tier one when a DC 10 con save is still a problem. Yeah. I mean, chances are you'll succeed, but... One of your party won't. Your your wizard ain't. Yeah. So considering that zombies can go toe-to-toe with a level one party, that shit's significant. That's going to turn the battle. Mm -hmm. It's likely that one player may drop. And disadvantage on saving throws means disadvantage on death saves. So tier one parties fucking beware. Yep. This is what I mean. I said before, the death spiral can come at you pretty hard, right? And so all it takes is one of these guys to hit your rogue, for example, who will do that damage. Mm-hmm. They will. They're all dex-based and shit. They're going to hit with the plus six, and then poof, they're going to get it in the face. They're going to get ash poofed. And then they're going to drop. They're going to go down when they get hit. They've got disadvantage on their saves. The zombies are going in for the kill because, of course, they are. That rogue is now dead, and now it's four zombies to three players. This is more powerful than it seems at face value. This is a amplified death spiral. Yes. Now, it's subtle. It is powerful and really only early levels. But I'm going to throw this at level two or three at at an experienced party and watch them kind of quiver. Again, if you're talking about like custom making monsters and stuff like that, increasing the DCs, all you got to do to throw this on a higher level uh, zombie as well. Yeah, just give them more um, like a AC of 11 and the and the hit point, give them more hit points as like well. And we see the advanced zombie, give the advanced zombie one of these things as well. Increase its CR. The, oh, the greater zombie? Yeah, the greater zombie. Yeah. Increase its CR because this is powerful enough where it'll go up a CR, right? So moving on from the this, we have the husk zombie bursters. I like Megan's idea of them sleeping in a field and then exploding to set off like this chain reaction. Just boop, 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 boop. Yeah. But you got to remember that zombies don't sleep. So kind of ruins that one. I think it's more fun if they're under some sort of permanent hold person spell as like a trap or something. Like how creepy is that? Oh, just a bunch of like naked guys standing in a field. Slowly decaying. Yeah. But they're all standing there and their eyes are moving. They're following you. The moment you touch one, boom, and the whole field just goes up. Yeah. I also like them in long grass. You're going to step on one of these guys by accident. Oh, I like that. Or you put one of these guys in a sarcophagus, right? And so you got to go reach to get the thing off of its neck. And 
if you're doing a like one of those tribal uh, deserted island uh, themed yeah, yeah. games, uh, you have just a bunch of their heads just sitting in the sand. Yeah, uh, that that's fun too. Yeah, because they're gonna run over and try to stab the head, right? That's yeah. what players do. So and especially when they see us, oh, just a zombie. Well, friends, it's never just a zombie. And that's kind of the point of this episode, right? Yeah. Like, zombies are really simple and straightforward. All right, I, I you said to me, Dan, how are we gonna get two episodes out of zombies? Yeah, I was concerned. Yeah, what well, you don't need to be. D and D is yeah. kind of fifth ed wizards has really pulled their shit together to get this out. Thank you. Now, go back to bugbears. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other thing about these are that they're reminiscent of the nurtured one of Yertris, the orcs that, yeah. that were like yeah. that, um, who go kamikaze and blow up doing poison damage. And I mean, the DC-12 con save is average at tier one. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt your level one, level two, but it's not going to be so bad for the others. And there's still that half as much on a successful save mechanic when it comes to taking this damage. Enough of these guys will fuck up your party. You don't have to hit. You just have to get hit. And that's what players do. Yep. And it's a con save, not a deck save. So fuck you monks and rogues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody go hide around the paladin and everybody run. But remember, these are husk zombies. So they're still... 35 foot movement. Yeah. You are running and only the monk is fast enough. Uh, maybe the rogue if he's blowing his bonus actions appropriately. Yeah. But like you're you're in some real trouble at low levels with you start throwing these guys out there. No. As an extra added bonus to the creeping fog that we were talking about and the husk zombies moving uh, ahead of time. These guys coming next is is scary yeah so i i really like them now so before we go any further i just want to say thank you to the creeping horde of people who helped us on this episode you we, say horde with horde, a d creeping horde oh yeah i i would miss the enunciation a little bit more on terry maybe hey leave him alone he and derek are very happy together that's true that's true i wish nothing but happiness for him. And I hope he, like everybody else, is staying safe and healthy out there. I do miss having Terry here. I miss having everyone here. Hopefully soon we could get back to it. But for now, thank you guys so much for helping us with this one. Uh, if anybody else wants to help us out there, you can check us out. Do the follow, like, subscribe, and all that shit on Instagram, Facebook, and r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. Yep. Or you can always reach out to us through the info at It's a Mimic.com because we like hearing from you guys. We really do. It brightens our weeks when we hear feedback back from you. And honestly, we often screen cap stuff and then toss it in our own private Discord and everybody sits there and looks at it and giggles. Yeah, there's... Funny enough, some of us are really good at Reddit and shitty at Instagram. Some of us, definitely not the person talking right now. Some of us are better at Facebook. So, like, if someone's seeing the message everybody will eventually see the message. Uh, honestly, send some love out for the other guys that are yeah. there in the field because Dan and I are the ones that, that run the accounts for the most part. So we get to see it. And people will talk to us yeah. all the time. But send send a, send a message to one of our accounts for Brad, Megan, Dave, probably not Terry. He gets enough love. From Derek. From Derek. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so normally this is where we break down the mob structure, right? Yeah. Where we start to look at the society or the social encounters and that kind of stuff. There's not a whole fucking lot we can do. Yeah, either. your social encounter with a zombie is pulling the note stapled to its head. Like Yeah. Well, can you speak with, with dead with undead? I, uh, I don't, I don't think so, no. So you're really freaking limited here. You are. In terms of social encounter, unless you as the DM make the decision where it says something 
there's a either it's command whatever. or yeah. the last thing it said in life like we mentioned earlier there's not a whole lot you could do with a social encounter here directly with zombies and honestly these hordes that we see are going to move together the crawling claw is going to do its own thing all of the husk zombie things are going to do its own thing but i can throw ash zombies in with regular zombies there could be the odd greater zombie or the cobalt zombie like they kind of intermix and it's up to you how you want to do it based on the flavor of your region right yeah i mean the great thing about zombies is yeah there's this social pillar that you pretty much can't do with them but pretty much anything can be a zombie and when you are looking at the kind of the template to put on things you start to get a really good zombie feel and you can put it on practically anything in the game just not another undead thing basically maybe not an ooze I mean, there's nothing saying that you can't make a zombie ooze. If you can make a zombie beholder, why why can't you make a zombie ooze? I guess that's true. Like you can make a zombie treant even, or a zombie corpse flower. Yeah. Like you can really kind of apply it to anything. But while you do lose the idea of the social encounter, you really do gain the environmental bonus. Oh yes, one hundred percent. Because your focus now on resource management and um, they they act like a force of nature, and you are hiding, you are running, you are. You, as the players, are maintaining battlefield control because they got the 20-foot movement, generally speaking, or 35. You're playing the distance game all of the time on this in a way that you don't get through other mobs, right? So there's a lot of fun to be had there, especially when you start applying it to other creatures because, and it doesn't say this anywhere, I would always drop their speed by 10 feet. If we did it to humans... We should be doing that to everything. So if you've got something that moves 50 feet around, like a hyena, if you zombify a hyena, I'd make it move 40. It just moves slower. Yeah, I'm with you. Other things you get, you get plus one strength, plus two con. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that tracks, I mean, another hit point per hit dice. Sure. Minus six int. Yeah, okay, so here... I have a problem with this. Yeah, he, I think that it should just say three int. You you dropped you three. Yeah, because if you are a, you know... A zombie what, dragon is still going to have 13 fucking intelligence. Which means it's speaking and strategizing and reading. But except for the fact that it understands but can't speak languages. That's part of this stat block. As part of the zombie stat block. Yeah. Because... Um, these are all of the things out of the DMG. Like when you turn something into a zombie, you apply the shit to it. Yeah. It loses the ability to speak no matter how intelligent it is. I want to say that rigor mortis of the tongue has got to be part of that. Right. Sure. Like, or, or rot. Like it just can't move the jaw in the same The vocal way. cords won't. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also get a minus four to wisdom and a minus four to charisma. Fine. Sure. Yeah. Fuck, sure. I whatever. Don't care. You're, you're ugly and rotting and you are singularly focused. So sure. Well, fuck you too, Dan. Also zombies have that. Right. I'm trying to build some kinship between you and the rotting, stinking undead. Anyways, they're also immune to poison damage and the poisoned condition, which unfortunately I've proven that so are you. How's that drink? I don't know, I'm good. All right, cool. Keep, keep talking. Um, they get dark vision up to 60 feet. Of course I do. What doesn't? What doesn't? And they get undead fortitude. Yeah, but the undead fortitude is different now. It's it's different than the monster undead fortitude, and that drives me up the fucking wall. Yeah, make it the same. It This is the goblins getting uh fury of the small only for players again like i don't know why they they do this there's no consistency to this so before it was the if you if you drop to zero you get a save equal to uh, the dc is five plus whatever the damage done was remember that's not damage below zero or whatever it's whatever the damage 
done in that hit. Yeah. Was right. And then you pop back up with one hit point. But now it's just an increase of hit points and a really underwhelming amount for the CR. Like a CR 17 monster gets a 28 extra hit points. Massive 28 at CR 17. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, absolute bullshit. Who cares? It's it's adding one extra hit, but at that point your fighter's doing four or five attacks and like your your monk alone is going to like wipe that out in one yeah. round. Like, I, it just doesn't feel like enough. Your paladin's just adding an extra D8 when he smites. Sure. So I I, I want to know why they didn't give us this this pop back up especially because you're just applying it to whatever fucking horse zombie or dog zombie or yeah. shark zombie or because it's probably going to be beasts and animals that most people apply this to you're not going to see a whole lot of chimera zombies right yeah. i mean it's cool but most people are aiming for dwarves and elves and horses and dogs yeah and shit like that zombie chickens are now a thing that i would like to see but i just i mean we've seen abyssal chickens now yeah <laughs> Fuck, those things are terrifying. They're amazing. I, I would say that the, the cockatrice is definitely one of the... Is within the conversation of some horrifying chickens as well. Yeah, sure. With the exception of the strawed zombie, which we already said we would add that to. Yeah. And the crawling claw, which is its own weird thing. Every other zombie has had this undead fortitude. Why fucking now did yeah. we decide to take it away? Just to add a couple more hit points. at For everything over, CR 17 gets 28. CR 20 is getting 28 hit points. That's dumb. It is. The, the CR 1 to 4 is getting 7 hit points. I mean, that's an extra hit, but it, that's all this is. It's just an extra hit to take it down. Yeah, and that just does not feel like enough for a zombie. I mean, no. to be fair, standing back up with 1 hit point is 1 extra hit to take it down. But remember, if it drops, it can stand back up with 1 hit point again. There is no limitation to how many times it can do that, right? Whereas with this, you've limited it to once. It's just more hit points Equal to roughly one hit at this level. That's boring. Yep. That's, that's boring and I fucking hate it. And I myself would change it to mimic the one that's in the monster manual. I would as well. There's I the, the one that we have here I wouldn't even include. It does no. not exist. Undead Fortitude is Undead Fortitude. Full stop. Yeah, I'm the same way. So do you want to grab our dice and uh, let's talk plot hooks or ideas for mini campaign. Everything we've talked about today. What's the thing that stands out for sure. you? I got a natural one. I got a... 15. Okay, so... Let's do plot hooks first. Uh, I mean, the Crawling Claw is clearly the winner on this. There are so many social and mystery things yeah. that you can put in there. I also love the idea of there being a room full of Crawling Claws. There's no limitation on how long these things can last. Again, you don't have to maintain concentration to make one. You could have a Necromancer just make a wave of 100 of these things. Sure, CR0... 1d4 plus 1 damage, but 20 of them need to hit. And think of the potential quips. Somebody give this guy a hand. No? You get one more, Dan, and then I'm going to fucking smack <laughs> him in this dice For me, it's... I love this husk zombie, but specifically this uh, necrotic cloud that is its origin. And as a plot hook, I would have your party is attacked by the neighboring village that has been turned into husk zombies... And people from this village are recognizing their friends from the neighboring village as you start knocking these things down to just save this village. And then on the horizon, you see the cloud moving in your direction. I'm going to say that the cloud has got to move at about, let's say, 10 feet around. You should be able to outpace it, but exhaustion will hit. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. I would also use something smaller like this with a evil druid who's just like pushing this thing along to cause havoc. Yeah. Right. What do you got for a campaign? For a campaign, uh, my big thing is going to be either the cloud or the zombie horde. It doesn't matter. Or fuck, ten million crawling claws. It doesn't matter. I'm going to lean into the environmental yes aspect yeah. of this, and it is going to push. My, let's say, end of tier one, beginning of tier two party. That's where I'm going to start the campaign. Evacuate the town. Where are you going to go? This is coming. Yeah. You've got the infirm, the sick, the young, the weak. Well, remember, a army only goes as fast as its slowest member. Yeah. And so you've got some hard choices to make. If it's a cloud, anyone left behind is joining it. If it's the zombie horde, the standard zombie horde, anyone left behind is dead. Right, You've got some hard choices to make. I'm going to start a campaign off on that in a remote village that is literally leagues away from the nearest walled fort or town or whatnot. You may be able to get to a tower that can hold 60 people and you've got 40 with you. That's great. But now you're stuck in a tower. Yeah. What next? And we are going to track resources. This is going to be a hard push. And the idea is going to be I'm going to start my campaign off on this and the people that you can get to the end will be the NPCs that are going to stick with you for the rest of the campaign. I'm also going to have it so that all the old people, sick people, and children will be the ones with the best boons and benefits for your players just to make it more difficult so that when they get these, these special people there... It was harder. They get a better reward, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That's, whether that's, it's information or one free heal a day or whatever it is. The the the, the four year old kid pulls out a Vorpal greatsword for your paladin. Yeah, right. Obviously, yeah. I found this. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, a nice little mini campaign, man. I I love these ash zombies. To be honest, I really do. Uh, Megan just fucking hated them. I know she which, hated them. Which just makes me laugh. Did not even spend time on them. It was so fucking funny. But I love the flavor of them very specifically. And having in in my in my homebrew world, I've got this area that has been scarred in the removal of a god from the from the like the death of a god scarred the section of land. Having these ash uh, zombies populating that entire zone it it kind of gives that what's that area in eberron that is the mornland yeah the mornlands right? well you know, that's what dave said in his thing too is that the as that his zombies standard zombies are walking out of the mornland i like the idea of it being ash zombies as well yeah yeah and and like your party is like people are standing there on the border of this town waiting to see their loved one walk out yeah. And if they go over, if they have that emotional moment where they see and recognize their loved one and they run forward and like try to hug them, this is going to go poorly for everybody. Poof. Right? Yeah. So um, I would definitely do that to an NPC just to telegraph it to the players that th- th- this shit's about to get bad. Well, and that's the other thing too with the zombie horde is I'm going to be murdering NPCs and mounts and pets. Yeah. Like your players will probably live. Everything else will fucking die. Yeah. Right, and that's that's the crazy thing about these guys. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode, Dan? No, man, I, I'm excited to see what we're going to be talking about next week with this. We are going to see the bigger, heavier, more monstrous zombies that exist out there. And then Dave's got another thing that's kind of similar to the husk zombie. That's its own unique, crazy cool. nonsense. A new, another new way to build another kind of zombie. So. Cool, love it. Anyway, that's it for this episode on zombies. 
uh, in 5th edition. But, like I said, we're only half done. There's six more creatures to cover next week. So, make sure you join us then. Other than that, if you'd like to support us, you can head over to www.itsamimic.com and hit our donate button over there or tell your friends and the rest of your D&D party about the podcast. Incidentally, if you hit that donate button and you send us money, then you get our love. We're also available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. So stay safe out there. You also get more podcast because you're helping pay the bills here. <laughs> well, there's that too, but that's how I demonstrate my love. By producing more podcast? Yep. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, shoutouts, requests, and mailbag questions can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. All right, so Jeff is known online as the Zombie Knight, and I asked him why. Yep. Uh, and uh, everyone always has a story behind their internet handles, right? So I figured like he's got to have one behind his. Yep. So, why did I choose the name The Zombie Knight? Uh, naming things is hard, and I needed a name for this new Instagram page where I knew I would be dumping a bunch of pictures of dumb D&D shit and didn't want to bombard everyone else I knew with stuff they didn't care about, which is what I basically do. And um, I was struggling to come up with a name, and eventually ended up naming the page after the first miniature I ever painted, which was a boss monster for the D&D campaign I was running at the time. Um, this lord, previously a knight of sorts, who had a fondness for hunting out of his lodge somewhere high up in the hills, was assassinated for reasons we don't need to get into now, but the process of this assassination was somewhat grim and bizarre. There was a curse placed on this entire hunting lodge that him and his family owned that anyone doomed to die in the house would return as a zombie. And all of this lord's stuffed and mounted trophies of beasts he had slain, displacer beast, a manticore, etc., were reanimated. So all of these hunting trophies killed him and his family, and then their corpses were doomed to return to unlife. And so when I decided to give my group a house to call their home base, I made them earn it. I made them fight a bunch of stuffed, mounted, weaker versions of other monsters... And then the zombie knight that had previously owned the home. So that's it. I uh, just picked it out of almost out of a hat. And now I'm stuck with it because you guys have referenced me so many times. I can't really get away with changing it. But that's, that's it in a nutshell. I picked a name based on a miniature that was in my hand based on an NPC monster that I made my players fight. And it was kind of the first thing I came up with when I needed to come up with a name. And naming things sucks. Yay! Alright, Jeff says naming things suck. Uh, especially as a DM, having to name shit all the time. That, that old joke about, oh, the baker walks forward, what's his name? I literally have three apps on my phone that help me name things on the fly. Alright, what is the most annoying thing to name in D&D? Let's do it. <clears throat> I got an 18. I got a 2. Intelligent weapons. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because an intelligent weapon has to be such a set piece, a name of the intelligent weapon is kind of got to be on the nose for what it desires, also what it can do, also its past life. Like, there's so many aspects that go into naming an intelligent weapon, and they have to be memorable, right? Naming your weapons, naming your, your stuff like that, as a player, just naming your family heirloom blade. 
I, that kind of shit infuriates me because it always feels insufficient in some way. I've His only, name is Pig Sticker. Right? I've only hit it out of the park once, and that's with tetanus. Because he has a Scottish accent, Pig Sticker. Adam, what's okay, your so, answer to the question? Um, honestly, villains and organizations are the hardest because yeah. you can't have a fucking pun that is available in there. If If your guy's name rhymes with the word poop, your players will find that during your campaign and undermine your villain or whatever organization it is. And a lot of the time, I end up just, especially for organizations, I end up with the red hand, the black tooth, the it, like the color, and then the the body part, right? Yeah. The purple mushroom, whatever it is. I'm going to <laughs> Terry. Terry, did somebody say Terry's name? Yeah, I watched you clench. That was weird. So. <laughs> It drives me nuts. And then there are people, like I watch Matt Coville, who just fucking rattles off old Roman fucking names and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you and your goddamn brilliance. I'm sitting <laughs> over here struggling to be, to be like the speckled hawk. No, wait, that's the name of a bar, right? Yeah, like, no, that I would, I'm going to add to my answer. Bars. Oh, bars Specifically are bars. Bars are easy, though, because all I have to do is come up with a rhyming scheme or a the blank and the blank. Suds and bullets, the dancing bear, the like it. I can just spew off this shit. It doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah, it, but right? like my, my and sheets. My right, thing is, go. those things always have to have some sort of meaning behind them. And whenever I see a bar name, I know I've had my players ask me, "Why is it named that?" Well, you better go talk to the bartender so that I have forty-five seconds to come up with a bullshit answer to reverse engineer. But it doesn't have to be a good story. Just I don't know. I inherited the bar this way. But when it comes to a villain, it can't just be fucking Bob the Nasty. Like, you need to have... Okay, I'm totally going to have a villain in Bob the Nasty. But... <laughs> I, t- where I'd agree with you, Tim the Enchanter. Right, but if you're if I'm not going for a comedy campaign, yeah. then it's very, very difficult for me to name the organizations and even the, the good guys and the bad guys, because they will rip that shit apart. Yeah. It's one thing they did really well in Ravnica... The names for the guilds are pretty airtight. Yeah, you're not wrong. And they've done a really good job on the villains that we have in 5th Ed as well. From Acerarak to... Um, Strayed. Well, you, you and I have gone off about Strayed. <laughs> but, I mean, you look at, at Strahd or Oriel or... Yeah, Oriel or uh, Argenvost. They give us some really good names that are pretty airtight for yeah. how to deal with. Your players... uh, what's, what's the name of the hell giant queen? Oh, no, King. No, Queen. No. Oh, Chief Guh. Chief Guh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, there's a lot of good shit that's, that's out there. And I just, I wish that I could create those fantasy names that were not going to immediately get twisted and, and broken Butchered. apart. Yeah. Right. Because at some point, every player is going to turn to someone else and be like, I'm just going to call you ears because you got ears. And whenever yeah. a player says, I'm just going to call you, I want to smack that player. And there are two, two of you on this podcast, three of you on this podcast that do that. You, Dave and Terry. You, I don't do it that You much. give nicknames to NPCs and villains and organizations and you sit I there. I did that because I was playing a smarmy little gnome for a you while. You are a smarmy big gnome. I mean, you're not wrong. I never am. Fuck you. I, I want to point out that I get like five bad jokes in one episode and I get threatened to be hit. You have done this for 190 fucking episodes of relentless, terrible, shitty ass, dad joke level, piece of shit, horrible sarcasm jokes. 
And I've put up with it like a goddamn saint. Would you say that it's a punishment? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that um, <clears throat> something I should have something there. Don't do two green fucking dice, Dan. Fine. God, you suck. <laughs> you just... <laughs> Green's my favorite color, Adam. Uh-huh. Could you, you tell? Is it usually green with envy? No, it's the, the green for money. Like Scrooge McDuck. While I walk around like Donald Duck. Not wearing pants? Yeah, that was where I was going with that. You are a fucking launch pad. Let's be honest here. I'm definitely a McQuack. Yeah. 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 I'm Darkwing Duck. <laughs> Let's get dangerous. Brad Terry and Dave are Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> yeah, waited for you to get a mouthful. There, there you go. I think that's an end clip. Megan is their uh, sister. Cousin? Cousin. Cousin. The new DuckTales is fucking fantastic. I haven't seen any of it. Oh. It's on my to-do list, but yeah. you've got the fucking time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs>